I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. First things first, this week marks the one-year anniversary of the Trainwrecks podcast. Uh, I just want to say thanks for tuning in, and it's been really cool to run into some of you diehard listeners at my shows, and, well, yeah, even just the people that listen casually, too. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to see what you have to say. Uh, For some people, it's been a really inspiring show. Uh, some just want to hear about what's going on currently, or they've been fans of these DJs or producers for a long time. So kind of, there's a lot of different reasons people listen to the show and, uh, it's interesting to see why. Uh, also I know that, uh, there's a lot of people that write in through emails or questions on the website or Facebook. And I know I haven't responded to some people. And I'm sorry about that. Um, I can be nearly impossible to get a hold of sometimes. Uh, There's only so many hours of the day. And as I get a little older, I try to spend as little time as possible answering emails and doing small chat. Because uh, I swear I'm generally sociable, but I just need to restrain myself from wasting too much time online. It's uh, something I can do quite easily. Uh, what else can I say? I set out to do 52 episodes last year, but I made it to 34. As someone who quit their job and dropped out of college and uh, barely puts any records out, I'd say it's a pretty fair effort. And, uh, originally I said I would do the show for a year and see how it goes since it was all kind of a little experiment. And I can tell you right now that I'll probably commit to another year of the show, but I doubt there will be a year three. Let's see what happens. Uh, I am into the project. I'm really enjoying it, but I have a lot of cool other ideas that I want to accomplish before I'm old and irrelevant. Uh, I can say also that it's been super awesome having inspiring people or legends at my dinner table over the past year. It's been super awesome and sometimes uh, surreal. Uh, So yeah, it's kind of crazy. The last thing I'll mention is that the show will switch to a bi-weekly format for 2017 with the occasional special episode somewhere in between the others. Um, I intend on doing a couple producer-focused episodes for all the gear nerds or aspiring DJs and producers out there. Um, I've already recorded a bunch of little mini interviews with some of the guests that have been on the show, uh, where we just talk about, you know, nerdy computer gear shit and tips and tricks. I'm going to compile all those into an episode or two and put them out, but I have no clue when they're coming. So, uh, I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. Uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. I still have no clue why anyone would want to listen to me. So I must be doing an all right job at picking out the right guests. This week's guest is an intergalactic b-boy from Sweden, the praying mantis himself, Kerry Lekabush. Uh When it comes to Swedish techno, uh, there's a handful, of, there's tons of Swedish techno producers, but the, I don't even, I don't want to say the golden generation, but... The generation everybody might recognize the most is kind of due in part to Carrie himself. 
Uh, it also includes the people like Adam Baer, Joel Mull, Jesper Dahlbeck, Alexei Delano, among others. And Kerry was super influential in, in helping those guys get started and, and showing them some things in the studio and whatnot. And uh, so, you know, if you have no clue about it, Swedish techno was really a a pretty big thing in the late 90s. Uh, really took the the industry by storm a bit. It was kind of influenced by these really loopy records coming from people like Jeff Mills when they were doing or when he was doing the purpose maker type stuff. And uh, it just kind of expanded from there. But as time went on, everybody kind of developed their own little sound. And, uh, well, I won't go into it too much because we talk about it in the show. Anyway, that was a super influential time for me when all that stuff was coming. So it was pretty crazy to have Kerry on the show. Aside from his techno output, he has countless aliases spanning multiple genres from house to hip-hop to electro, uh, chill-out, you name it. Uh, He's done it all, basically. And, uh, man, I really fucked up the the stuff about Swedish techno. There's so much more to it. Check it out later. Google it or something. Anyway, Kerry's still a highly prolific producer. Uh, He's always up to something. Lately, the newer generation might know him because he's got this badass series of uh, colored vinyl records. They're vinyl only, these releases that kind of give a nod to the stripped-down sound of the 90s, uh, which he'll mention later in the show. That stuff is really going down with everybody at the moment. And uh, yeah, so he's just on a tear right now, making a lot of badass stuff. Uh, what I love about Kerry is his attitude and his outlook on life and the music business in general. Um, he has a very Zen view about what success means in life. And, uh, you know, it's different for everybody, but for Kerry, it's just about, you know, having what, what he needs. And that comes down to, you know, being able to have a, you know, a little comfortable lifestyle, making music and getting to play it, and really just staying, keeping it simple like that, not being so worried about playing the best parties or being on magazine covers and stuff like that. So it's very low-key. You know, there's not a lot of ego there, which uh, is super refreshing in this day and age. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know the entire trajectory of his life, it's my guess that uh, this kind of Zen-like state is something that takes a long time to arrive at, and I don't remember—I don't remember how long I've known Carrie, but I really dig his vibe, and it's been that way since day one. I think a lot of people, especially the younger guys and girls out there, uh, should really take notes from him because you know this this kind of attitude is something that's disappearing real quickly in the scene as people are able to. Uh, get some popularity and make a shitload of money real quickly. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's a long episode. I'll leave it at that. I hope you dig it. Peace. Should we do this? Yeah. All right. Ready, steady. I'm sitting here with uh, another legend. Oh, thank you very yeah. much, Carrie Lakebush. <laughs> nice, straight to out meet of you. Stockholm. Um, I mean, actually, for me, when I I got into techno in the late '90s, which is kind of when the whole "quote unquote" Swedish techno invasion was was happening. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, 
I was actually uh, introduced to like you know you and your friends uh, before I really caught on to like Derek Main stuff like that. Mm. Just because I think that's the same thing that's happening even today. Uh, younger kids are attracted to whatever's the newest thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then yeah, if yeah. someone tells you, well, there's this guy that's been around for 10 years, like, yeah, yeah, fuck that. I, I don't <laughs> care. This new stuff is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you realize a couple of years later when you grow up a little bit, like, eh, maybe that guy or girl knew yeah. something that they were talking about. Yeah, definitely. You, know? you got to dive and delve back into the history. And yeah. I, I, I talk to a lot of like of the new upcoming club generation, sort of, or whatever to, to yeah. call them. And, and they, you know, they, right from the start, they have a more of an interest in, you know, digging through the history, going 10, 20 years back into this uh, type of music, rather than compared to, you know, say the generation before that, or if we can talk yeah. about generations. I mean, say five, six, seven years ago. Well, th- club generations are much shorter, I would say, oh, like yeah, every yeah, yeah. three, four years at this point. I'd say three to five years tops, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think it also depends too. Like, if you are, man, I don't even want to, because it could be pointing fingers or talking shit. But like, <laughs> there's some scenes, like maybe like the tech house scene, they're not so concerned with digging back even ten years per mm. se. Yeah, yeah. But like, whereas, uh, you know, like for example, the Berlin scene in London to some degree, um, there's kind of this, you know, like that web uh, page on the net on Facebook, like Berghain Music and stuff. People just share old tracks all the time. Mm, yeah, yeah, and yeah. People are always digging yeah. stuff. There's up. always going to be pockets all all, all yeah. over the world where, where you know you have this and, kind of stuff happening. I mean, I if anybody knows me or my sets, I I love old tracks. I love finding old stuff. But I also yeah, yeah. I I need to have new shit all the time. I'm mm-hmm. always looking for new stuff. I don't want to become a dinosaur, you know? No, exactly. No, I mean, I think that's really important too for us that have been doing this type of uh, music for a long time. We, you know, you, you can't just be in the same spot and get stale. I don't, I don't see that working, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's going to work for somebody else, but not for me. Well, I used to think that it would, but, I, you know, the, when I do pay attention to some things, you see people are always changing up their kind of how they do things yeah yeah and uh you know that's why i'm i'm really excited to have you on the show because you've been in this longer than just about anybody and you've done so many different things you know and so it's (laughs) you know best about just changing it up you know but um so i guess at that point let's just we'll do a quick history lesson because there are some people that genuinely don't know they're new to this or uh, there's not a. I mean, there's some people that aren't DJs either. They just like the music. Um, yeah, yeah. Kerry, though, he, he, you know, you're kind of. Uh, I would say, I don't know what's the word. Maybe like figurehead. Like you were one of the guys that kind of got like a lot of the Swedish guys on board. Like this is how you make tracks <laughs> or DJing or helping introduce yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's Godfather. It, it's would you sort say of. That? <laughs> <laughs> I got t- I got that title, but I mean, I, I just I take it with a grain of salt. Of course, it's it's just what we did all together back then, and it started very early in the '90s. And I was uh, some of the first ones in Stockholm, and I also, I mean, back <clears throat> if we rewind a bit uh, to to that uh, day and age. There was a, a lot of you know little projects were happening in 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 Sweden and generally back then because Sweden was very sort of it was very perfect to sort of with that type of music and there was already in the in the early eighties there was a like an electro and hip hop scene in in Stockholm and uh, he even had like you know like you know the producer uh, Quincy Jones the producer yeah. of, of Michael Jackson uh, he 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 had a kid you know with a 
in Stockholm. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember I was really, I mean, I was very young back then and, and I got exposed to these type of environments like studio. And we saw he had a sampler, like the first sampler ever fucking created. And that just really, you know, made me go, whoa, I, this, is, this is definitely something I want to pursue. And, and during the, the 80s and end of the 80s, uh, beginning of the 90s, there was a sort of, a, we, there was a guy called Robert Lehner as well. Yep. And he later worked a lot for RNS Records uh, mm-hmm. during the early 90s there. And, but we, they, they got us a, a He was studio. Source Direct, Yes, right? Source, uh, <clears throat> and he, he had a couple of other pseudonym, pseudonyms too. A really talented guy anyway, and he moved over to, to Stockholm and Telegram Records in Sweden which actually was owned by, you know, Dr. Alban and these people. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, pretty funny. I mean, you, you heard about Dr. Alban. Yeah, right? but I mean, for those who don't know, that was like a kind of like a big kind of pop type thing. Yeah, what, this, what, it, what era was that, the like early 90s or was yeah, it even this, earlier? This, I mean, you know, I got the power and all these German uh. sort of, uh, I mean, it was the EDM of that time maybe, or I don't know uh. how to better put it, but it was sort of Rosalla. And, and then, you know, you had a lot of people here in Berlin as well c- came out later, like Marusha. And it was mm. basically more pop than techno, uh. but it was very, you know, the, it was those sounds and, uh, but with vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Dr. Alban was one of those big ones and, and, uh, and they, they started up, they wanted to have some different label, sort of more, a bit more underground mm-hmm. label. And um, that thing got us together, sort of, a couple of us anyway. And uh, we started to produce uh, some records for them that never really came out because they they didn't really have the distribution for it or anything. Yeah. But, um, you know, one thing leads to another and, and that whole thing, you know, made, just created a pretty good scene in Stockholm. And there's, there's, there was always a lot of parties around and, we were basically it was every weekend we had some kind of party. I was having I brought my eight oh eight, my three oh threes and we're just playing for six hours live and <laughs> That's crazy. But I mean, I guess it got so crazy that they actually had a rave task for us, the police. Is that yeah, true? I mean, this this I'm still I'm in the story is still like early nineties and it was basically a I, I don't know could you say anarchy? <laughs> like yeah. we had parties wherever we wanted. Like we went into abandoned warehouses, whatever. Like nothing ever happened, and just everybody had a great time. There was no interference from police or whatever. No, and I mean there was no reason really to complain either. There were no neighbors that got disturbed and stuff. But um, th- this sort of built up so much. So even the clubs in in the, in the inner city, they started to you know, oh shit, we gotta have the sound. We we gotta. You know, who's, mm-hmm. and we started to play in those clubs as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a lot of my friends they they started their own clubs as well in the inner city, and and this just you know went on for a couple of years. But it just got kind of out of hand. There was this big place called Docklands as well opening in Stockholm, and this was uh, like ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, and it just blew up. You know, and they had a lot of misfortunes there. There were some people who got strung out on some drugs and stuff. And But, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what's going to happen. It doesn't matter where, you know, if, if you have thousands and thousands of people, there's always somebody who's going to step uh, over the line. And you can't shut down whole 
parts of society just because this happened. But, you know, and then politi- politicians got involved and just, sure. it, it's a mess. As soon as the politicians <laughs> step in, it's just a fucking mess. Totally. <laughs> so they had to sort of dismantle that. And they the police uh, formed a special rave police, like a rave commission that was tracking down illegal parties. I mean, just really pestering anybody who who, who had anything to do with electronic dance music doesn't matter what genre it was just period it was just hell and and so a lot of people and like the inner city clubs they wouldn't touch this type of music so everything went underground like properly underground again and i mean it forced a lot of us to sort of move out of there but we had some really good years before that and uh, me and glenn wilson from planet rhythm Mm -hmm. records uh, he moved up to uh, stockholm in sweden and started his record shop there was which was was, it because of the parties and everything or did you have something else going on yeah i mean he wanted to start a label and you know i was you know i was i wanted to do vinyls i wanted to distribute my own label properly you know i just had basic crappy distribution for my hybrid production label back then Mm -hmm. and 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 he, you know, we got together and <clears throat> he helped me and I helped him and, you know, record shop. And, and then by that time, Adam Bayer and Jesper Dahlbeck and Joel Mull, Alexi Delano and Ira Bricka and Thomas Chrome and blah, 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 all these Swedish producers. Yeah, we all they got, all went on to become massive. <laughs> we just got together and we created so much noise. So that's, I guess, what created this Swedish sort of techno sound. And uh, it's sort of, it's still sort of, I don't know. It's still there. I mean, it's not really there. We have all sort of created our own sort of styles. But back then, yeah. it was sort of a it was a genre almost. I've I've I went Definitely. to a few record shops and it said Swedish tech. Yeah, it's like okay, that's a genre. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was definitely. It was quite moody. A lot of the stuff, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. And uh, but there was still some soul to it. Uh, repetitive as fuck that whole yeah. thing like I was so yeah. into it at that point you know all the stuff that was coming out and so I mean I mean we're all DJs too so we wanted to have those arrangements so you can do those long mixes and, yeah, and or three turntables or yeah, whatever yeah exactly so the, it shaped the way the the mo- I mean a lot of it was really monotonous you know yeah. but I mean I guess it the whole techno scene was kind of it was getting to that okay we have three four record players and you sort of the tracks are monotonous, but it depends on what the DJ is doing with them. You know, you build your own breaks mm-hmm. and stuff, and I, I, that's how I still do stuff today. I like to play pre- pretty monotonous stuff, but you know, I, I I I play maybe the bass line from one track, and on the other record player there is the the hi hats and some upper layers from another track, yeah. and then I use completely different track for the mid section. And you do sort of you you combine different tracks and you make sort of remixes on the go or whatever you can yeah. call it, and and I mean that's basically the same sort of you know methods. Yeah. So when when you guys, because a lot of you guys were kind of doing that whole the three deck thing. I mean, everybody was at that point. And actually, yeah, yeah. nowadays in techno, everybody's doing three decks again because it's incredibly easy with the cdjs yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, who's to blame? Is that like a is that a Jeff Mills thing? Everybody's like, we gotta. Like, I, I think it's just for me personally. It was that, I mean, I I, I just I I don't find it very interesting to just play a track, mm-hmm. you know, and then I put on another track and I make a really nice blend, you know, whatever, and just stand there and wait. I like to create something more of a live set, you know. Yeah. Although although you use records, pre-recorded records, 
I choose certain types of records that I can play with. So I can, uh, every time I make a set, although I even play the same records, the set is not going to be the same because I use different parts from the records and I, I change everything around. And it, it, it just, you know, that thing to, to be able to push your techniques and you push your methods and your musical philosophies forward. You got to just do this. You, you can't just choose to do something that works just because it worked totally. a few times. I mean, if you do it 20 times a night, people are not going to react on it no more because they're like, yeah, it's not a surprise no more. It's that fine balance, I guess, that people want to be surprised, but also not too surprised because then you're going to lose them maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a. I think the dance floors are a, a tad conservative at the moment in that regard, but, mm. you know, there's, that, there's an ebb and flow to that too. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I come from a time where we had the jams. I mean... We changed genre every 10 seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. there was like an electro track, track, and then there was something that reminded like an early techno track. I mean, I remember some really early parties. There was anything came up. And, and uh-huh. that, this was somewhere between 86 to 88. Uh-huh. Anything could come up. A little bit more up. like B-Boy mixtape style. Yeah, I mean, you, people were breakdancing at the parties and... and it was sort of very close related to all the other urban sort of genres that started to form in, in Stockholm anyway. And it was, mm-hmm. a lot of it was influenced uh, um, by some hip-hop electro and, and this new age, no, not new age, it's a new wave, it was called in Germany. New wave, new romantica, you know, all okay. this kind of stuff. And there were some clubs in the 80s where, you know, you had people dressing all in black and having makeup and this type of synth early synthesizer they were playing craft work and that kind of stuff basically you know? berlin today <laughs> yeah 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 you know it's it's and it's really funny like you, you have that sort of time now where we have like it's 2017 is coming up and i feel sort of that i'm back in 1997 you know a little bit yeah or you know i guess you can you can rewind it probably there's a lot of substance to what's going on now that was happening in 77, you know, and then it's just this 20-year cycle. And you were Maybe. mentioning Jeff Mills, and I came to think about his record that he made called Cycle 20, you know, and the, mm, yeah. that came like around 97 or something like that. And I What think was so. that? That was, was that Cap Moda? No, <sighs> I don't remember. I, it's, it's just, it was called, I think it was on the Purpose Maker, wasn't it? No. Cycle 20, there were loops on there. There was lots of loops. Okay. But I, I read this little interview and he was talking about that Cycle 20, that everything is coming back and, and, and after 20 years. And, and if you look at fashion and design or stuff like that, you can see that. Oh, oh yeah. We're I mean, back here again. And the nine, Well, man, you know, there's a lot of 90s photos that pop up on like Facebook and shit lately. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, my God, was yeah. it bad? Yeah. I mean, there's some, <laughs> there's some dope shit from the 90s. Yeah. And like, you know, you go up to like Panorama Bar or something, there's like kids doing the whole Vogue 90s thing and I kind of yeah. dig it but then you see like some of like the alt rock or these music videos and shit you just like oh my god <laughs> this is funny. it's it's like worse than the, like that brown and orange combination of 1970s oh color. yeah 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 <laughs> I mean and the shade uh, carpeting and all that and but like I guess you got it like okay so nobody's done this before so we gotta do it at least once like look at this it's like okay maybe this brown and orange is not Maybe it's not forever, so let's yeah, try I just, something I, else. I don't know who the hell was in charge of that, man, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it's still probably the biggest blunder in yeah, no, design I, ever. I have nightmares from my childhood from that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm born 72. You had some so, hip parents. Yeah, so I had that 77, you know, boom, that kind of 
brown orange. I remember that there was some chairs and they had this or those were kind of cool though. Those air, ball chairs, yeah, the brown yeah, orange. But yeah, that brown stuff that just makes you want to go poop or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the design. I don't mind. It's just the colors, you know. It's yeah. fucking bizarre, man. Um, I like to see some brown on on some wooden panels and stuff. Your floor here is really nice. That's it. Yeah, well, it's 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 fake wood, I think. Oh but, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's nice it enough. Works for me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is like uh, where I grew up in Upper Michigan, it's a bunch of it's it's wilderness. So, you know, you, mm. you you got the same shit in Sweden. So I'm sure if yeah, you go yeah, up yeah. north, everything's wood. This wood that. Oh like, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it looks and, like it's in the forest in Sweden. Yeah, but up there. When the- I was younger, all I wanted was you know, something more modern or mm-hmm. God forbid, like Ikea or something. Cause we were so sick of seeing the wood. But now as I get older, like I'm ready to actually sell this table and all this shit and just get like as much old school wooden stuff as I can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess no, no, I, th- it's I think it's better. Just, it reminds me of home. Yeah. You, it's everybody's taste gets mature, like with food, with design, with everything, music. And totally. it's definitely, I mean the same thing for me. I, I was more totally hypnotized when I was a teenager about, you know, modern stuff, sort of space yeah. age, anything, yeah. Star Wars. Totally. But you know, when you grow older, you realize that okay, this th- there's much more to it, and and you look at old school architecture or something in in buildings, and you just look at some old buildings and like, wow, that looks much cooler than anything that I they do today. You know, oh, yeah. cubes and and just boring <laughs> compared to that. I mean, I you know who was I? Oh, I was in Scotland last night. And oh I was yeah, talking you one get to guys. see some nice stuff there. Yeah, and well, and, and the kid, one of these kids that was driving me, said he went out to Australia, and they're like, "You ever been to uh, Loch Ness or whatever?" Oh yeah, Loch Ness. Like, well, all right, yeah. no. And then, he, but it really kind of put it in his head. He's like, "Dude, I there's all this shit going on in in Scotland, and I've never even looked around." So he mm. came back from Australia and then started checking everything out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, actually, there's some really awesome stuff here, and I think that just takes time. You got to grow up a little bit, or yeah, you got to yeah, yeah. you got to go to school somewhere else for a while, come back, and you're like, mm-hmm. you get more wow, objective. Okay, you see it from a different perspective. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that that's but, what's awesome for us. We get to do a lot of traveling. I think I really appreciate that. I'm thankful for that because when you come back home, you know every trip i make i just you learn more about totally. you know you feel more comfortable at home as well and you you just, just makes you realize so much more and trying uh mm-hmm. you know, getting to 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 meet other cultures all over the world and talk to people and get different viewpoints uh, totally it's totally awesome uh when it comes to this uh djing business big time <laughs> and so it's is it safe to say that you're still really uh you're into the travel part um yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really what, what what makes it fun too. I mean, it's boring to sit and wait in planes and you just sit there by yourself basically and you know, well, nowadays mm-hmm. you can communicate on your telephone and stuff. But, you know, to to get that cultural exchange of ideas too and all that when you're traveling, that's yeah. really what makes it worth it. Oh yeah. It's just unfortunate that a lot of times you might not get that. It's just, you know, straight to the hotel club back yeah, to the yeah. airport. That's but, you know it, it, th- that's why i think i always try to you know talk to the people the promoters and like yeah mm-hmm. what's going on here and i i always collect sort of local news yeah. rather than uh, checking out the what, newspapers what drives the economy here that kind of thing yeah like what what are you guys up to and what 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 are you struggling with it's so interesting to hear like what's going on in different mm-hmm. parts of the world and uh, and and you you 
I mean, it's. I, I guess some people they're fine with taking that kind of information from newspapers, for example, or from the mainstream media. Yeah. But, but I, I just, I compare it, and it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. So I rather have my news from from the people that live mm-hmm. in the place, and like they, they should know best. I'd say. You know? Yeah, it's also really interesting too to um, kind of go back to places that you haven't been in, you know, five, six, ten years. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, for example. I, I cut my teeth, uh, you know, earning the stripes, all those sayings in the States, touring all over, driving the car, going yeah. to places. And as a young guy, I mean, I'm sure it's the opposite for Europeans. As an American, you're like, fuck, I just want to go to Europe and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Europe kids are like, I want to go play in the States. I don't even yeah. care if the gig's good. I just want to go to the States. Yeah. But so I went to all these cities and you kind of see it. This was kind of before smartphones and all this shit, you yeah, know? Yeah. So Beepers. <laughs> in the, yeah. In the last year and a half i've been trying to actively go to more places in the states that maybe aren't the biggest techno scenes but just because a spread the techno word because that's yeah, what yeah. i like to do but b is to get a little older like i I want to see what's up in atlanta again or whatever these cities that i haven't been to and you yeah. realize like you know some of these cities have really blossomed into something crazy or they got crazy food yeah. uh some have fallen in on hard times you know everything's different but it's interesting to see things years later yeah definitely i can totally understand that it's 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 just a it's a giant universe over there like north america in general so many cities and they're so it's like different countries every city is a different country that's how oh, i look totally. at it and in, in Europe, it's more clear in that way that I, there is actually a different country. There's a different language even. Yeah. But I, I totally feel the same in, in America traveling there. If you're in San Francisco, you can't compare that to, to like Texas or yeah. New York. It's And I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Like, for example, if we take, let's say, my my city, Minneapolis, yeah. home base there, um, you know, in that area, it's very liberal, very because it's a metropolis kind of thing. But let's say you drive one hour outside the city, not yeah. even half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. You're like out in the wilderness. There's people running around with guns, voting for Trump, doing meth, all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. And there's just like people that are laying low, like having a good time. Yeah, now, yeah. They're not, it's not all bad out in the yeah, woods, no, but no, I mean, <laughs> point is, is like it, you feel like you're on a different planet. Yeah. Yeah. 30 minutes away by car. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, and I mean, you know, take Germany, for example, the German cities do have, different vibes to them of course every capital has a different vibe in europe but i feel like there's germany and then there's berlin you know whereas (laughs) like in the united states there's different different things you know yeah yeah. no it's 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 totally different in so many ways yeah wow i mean uh, i can and you you've seen you've seen you know america more close up than me for sure mm -hmm. and now you've you've sort of Get a I've good seen it chance. from the outside view too. Now. Yeah, yeah, and then you can get a good look at Europe as well, and it is fantastic, isn't it? You know, it gives you so such an objective viewpoint, and and you learn a lot yeah. about yourself. And and the problem is, is it's really hard to converse with people when they haven't been fortunate enough to have that viewpoint of seeing both from a distance. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, know like, I can sit here uh, in Europe and speak to Europeans and be like, what the fuck's going on with your people and Trump and all that? And I'm like, hey, you know, first of all, we're Mm -hmm. not all that crazy and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, 
listen, you have some problems too over here in the European Union, and you can start naming them off, and they refuse to admit to it. It's the, Just same, the same with Americans. The same shit goes but everybody's on everybody's <laughs> up for grabs yeah. in the shit talking contest right now, yeah. and um, it's easy to judge. You know, it's so easy. Yeah, but I mean, so it's like when you try to have discussions with people. Of course, there's you know, if you're wrong, you're wrong about stuff, and. I'm I'm finding that I'm wrong more often than I'd like to admit. But uh, for the <laughs> most part, ain't we all? Ain't we but all? I'm, I'm just like you know, you, you hear things and people are like, well, I'm just sure life would be so much better in whatever country. And I'm like, well, they got some problems. They got to hash out quickly too. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Or they're they're about to lose everything also. So I don't know, man. I, uh, I'd say, spe- you, like Europe, Scandinavia, North America. Even South America, yeah. for the most part, it's this. I mean, it's the same. Even yeah. I mean, I've been what like Japan, Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand. It's the same stuff going yeah. on there. It's the same methods, uh, the same sort. Of, I mean, if you comp- if you look at it very objectively, it's basically the same country almost. Yeah. You could say, or, or you know, it's the same system everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, and now I mean, even if you go. <sighs> South, deepest South America and, and Africa and anywhere else in the world, basically everything works the same way, doesn't it? Well, and it's becoming a global it, economy and all yeah, that. And especially when connected. it comes to politics. So yeah. like arguing uh, about stuff like, oh, what the fuck is going up with the like, American voting system and all that. And yeah. It's the same thing in Europe. It's Man, just, France <laughs> is, is teetering right now. Sweden's got its problems. I mean, everybody's, yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. So, I mean, of course, it... it it sucks more for Americans because, you know, being in a position of power as we are, electing one guy can change everything. Whereas, you know, if if someone gets if there's a big shift in Sweden, it's not necessarily going to affect the rest of the world like it would the no, states. No. But um, it's it's just a, such a tiny population. It's like nine yeah. million, and compared to any big nation, that's just a it's like a city basically. Yeah, it's like a mosquito in the ocean <laughs> totally but you know all those things considered talking about all these countries are there places that like for some reason you haven't played yet that you're like what the hell or you, mm. you did once and you just got to get back or yeah no that's i i think i've been in most places that i would like to that i'm interested in and in, in visiting um and there's like i mean there's a few places that i haven't been close to uh, i guess uh it's like uh, Central Asia, for example, or Central yeah. Africa. I've never been. And of course, like Greenland and, and I don't think Svalbard or any of those regions that really have yeah. anything. <laughs> that's that's where you got to go on your own little backpacking adventure. Yeah, yeah, right exactly. Hunting ice bears. Yeah, but no, I, th- I think I've been to uh, to most places that, that fascinate me in some way. And uh, then, of course, there are some backwater places where... I mean, it's probably really interesting many ways to go there, but there's no really no work for a DJ, maybe. Sure. And and like you said, you would have to do it by mm-hmm. yourself. Are you are you one of the types of people that will definitely hit the road and take a vacation um, if you're not uh, getting paid as a DJ? Or yeah, I, I do that. You know, whenever I have a good chance, like okay, this is a good. You know, oh, these. One. The window of yeah. time and the money adds up, right? Exactly. Like, like, okay, here's not so much gigs. And, you know, because <laughs> you got to sort of uh, work the periods. There are seasons when it comes to DJing, right? Definitely. So some months, there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of parties, like October, November, December. 
And then you have January, for example. I mean, you know, not the best parties on the planet are going to be thrown on January just mm-hmm. after massive onslaught of New Year's Eve party, Christmas party, uh, Halloween parties. And, and the New Year's parties now, it's like, uh, I would go on to say that New Year's Eve is actually the day where... I don't know. I, I think the parties surrounding New Year's Eve are even better. Like the thirtieth, the first, the second. Like the, if, if you hit it on like the last few years has been on these long weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, if you're lucky enough to be one of those DJs that gets booked multiple times, you can play three times or three different days over that course and yeah. uh, great parties, decent money, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, like I, I had one year a couple years ago. I didn't even play New Year's Eve. I played all the days surrounding it. You know, and, like the parties were. Everybody I talk to, other people like, oh yeah, same. And the parties were even better, yeah, bigger. Yeah. So, no, it's, I, yeah. Now that you say say that, yeah, it, I mean that's I, true. Last year, same thing there. The year before that, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that going out on New Year's Eve, in a way, can be overrated. I mm. mean, I don't want to shit talk all the New Year's Eve parties because they're still good ones. But oh, I yeah, think yeah. A, a lot of people just kind of. Uh, they like the idea of staying close to home with friends, you know, making some couple drinks or just getting silly. Yeah, definitely. I'm all up food. for that. You know, I'd, I'd probably that will be my fave choice myself. Just hang out with friends that night. And then, you know, there's some, but you know, it, I guess also, I mean, this is uh, something typical for Berliners will recognize this, of course, that, you know, and on New Year's Eve, you have a lot of tourists sort of, you know, let's call them tourists. People well, that maybe is. go out twice a year or four times a year maybe they go out and when they go they go out on new year's eve so you have all these people that maybe don't want to go out at the same time as everybody else because it just creates a lot of rush hour traffic of course you know it's just going to be oh stand in line here and and it's going to be overrated if you ask me yeah i mean we're we do this for a living so for us there's a big difference between go to a regular place where you have people that go out twice a year and they want to have a New Year's party. Uh, You're not fully going to be in the same mood as they are. So it's maybe better to choose another party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and that also, you know, you brought up another thing, sorry to deviate. You, you mentioned the word tourists. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> I, you know, it's come up, I mean, especially being Berlin's a tourist capital. Where yeah. I grew up for the first 18 years of my life was a small town with a lot of tourism because we had a lot of mountains around. It was snowboarding, paradise, oh, uh, nice. snowmobiling, skiing, all that kind of shit. Damn, these headphones. Um, <laughs> so all I know is a tourist town. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it was, and I maybe my decision on this is biased because I grew up like that, but I feel like tourism was never, not always a bad word. Like it was, you're yeah, no, lucky no. to be a tourist. I, I definitely don't use that as a bad Not you, but I mean, it, either. I'm saying it does come up a lot lately. Like, uh, I'm sure you're playing tonight at the club. If you go out, if you talk to enough people, you'll find some guy that's like shit talking like, oh yeah, well now that the tourists are gone or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I, get, yeah, yeah. I get that people that don't know the usual vibe can change things for the worse sometimes. But, I think tourism's great. You should be able to go around the world, check shit out, you know, buy into the culture, whether it's the clothes or here, you know, buying mm. records. Go to a club, eat yeah. the food, like, meet the people. Pick out the best stuff yeah. and bring it back home. I want people to do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Everybody talks so much shit. I think that's you, anywhere. You Amsterdam, gotta, and you got to start somewhere, you know. They, <laughs> best case scenario, they might get, you know, they find something yeah. that, that'll make 
you know, that'll make them happy. Yeah. And then it's like, what, what, what should people do? Sit at home? You know? Yeah, no, definitely not. No, no, I've, I've heard that too. Like you have people like, oh, you know, Berghain now there's a lot of tourists there and now best time to go there is on a Sunday maybe or something. And yeah, I've heard that plenty of times and I go just like, yeah, I mean, I know it's, it takes, uh, I guess, uh, I just it, it tells it tells me that you're a beginner when you talk in negative connotations or what whatever the English word is for that. Sh- it tells me yeah, that yeah. you're you're a beginner. You know, it's I'm, well, I would just go that, yeah, but you're all good. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is you know, I think also if if okay, so like in because it's a techno show, like let's say you go to a club and you're like, oh, it's all full of tourists tonight. Doesn't matter what club it is. It's like, well, if you're a local take five minutes to you don't have to educate them be like this is how you party but just like you it's if it's your club as people think they own these places then then show them the ropes like this is how it works here you know what i mean like if you go to island life if 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 i go to honduras to go uh you know scuba diving there or something you don't just walk in there and start fucking treading all over and calling shots like no this is this how it works man this is island life take it easy yeah exactly you know you'll get your food when it comes and uh, so I don't know. I just it's it's been kind of getting on my nerves lately. Yeah, no, well. that's the right attitude. Uh, we're doing some attitude educational program here. That's right. Uh, I don't. <laughs> so change your fucking tone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's get back to you for awesome. a bit, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, aside from yeah, doing enough music, about you, let's talk yeah. about me. Yes. <laughs> I have some things about myself I need to get off my chest. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> But I mean, also on top of making music, which you know, uh, I mean, I'm obviously aware of your stuff. But just to see if there's any things that jumped out at me, I mm. went to pull up your Discogs page yeah, before yeah. you came over, mm. and it's fucking incredible how many aliases you have, how many collaborations. Oh, it's been a couple. Of, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you. I think the first record was '94. Was it even earlier? Uh, the first vinyl was earlier than that, but I, I think my my own label really got started around there. It was ninety four, okay. I guess. Yeah, and then so you so, know, spanning twenty plus years, um, and it, you know, you've done everything from electro to hip hop mm-hmm. to chill out, Some to, really deep, deep yeah. house kind of stuff, like uh, the architect. Out, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was dope. Yeah. You know, um, bit, and bit of more course, of a listening uh, aspect. Yeah. To it. Yeah. Lately, been doing these like really solid banging like uh, drummy techno tools. Yeah, yeah. Bit, just bit analog analog jams. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing this little vinyl series um, at the moment where I want to do all the colored vinyls in the whole the full spectrum. You know, I start from red to orange to yellow. I go through the whole spectrum and. The whole Roy G. Biv, or are you going to get into the yeah. more particular colors too? <laughs> yeah, I want I want to end everything off with like a big, every color mushed into one. That would be pretty cool. I'll see Black. how that looks. <laughs> fluff, brown, brown and orange. Yeah, like it's probably going to yeah, it's going to be brown and orange. <laughs> You're a product of the '70s, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's finish it off with the '70s brown orange. But uh, I mean, like, because I've I've known you for a while. You're into a variety of different things. Like, uh, I know you like to cook a lot. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I like to visit tasty restaurants more than I like to cook. But no, oh, okay. I, do, <laughs> I I I do do my own food a lot. You know, I nice. kind of like to to get better at it. And uh, anything in particular you like uh, focusing on? 
no, I'd, I'd say it's pretty, you know, seasonal and, okay. and whatever, like for example, now in Sweden, there's a lot of root stuff, uh, you know, you can't really, there's nothing fresh, grow- yeah. I mean, you can't get strawberries now in Sweden. Of course. So I kind of try to adapt to that and see what's out there, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of like reading some cookbooks and stuff like that here, yeah. but I, I wouldn't say that I'm very good chef there and Say Joel Mull is a really good chef. Joel likes to cook, yes. yeah. And he, he's got a younger brother, Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah, also a, a chef. Yeah, and he teaches me a lot of stuff. So I, Yeah, you did some, some music with him also. Yeah, that's right. I, I what up, Benjamin? Yeah, what's up, Benji? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm um, helping him to get you know situated in his uh, new studio he's built up a nice studio and he's got a lot of analog stuff and and he's you know he's brilliant with all the digital stuff but this is the first sort of round of cool uh, analog stuff that he's working with so i'm showing him uh, some some of the kinks and he he's got adam bayer's old uh, big mixer mackie mixer oh yeah adam was uh, saying <laughs> something about that last yeah, time yeah yeah it's so. awesome so he's he's got he's sitting on some awesome machinery and he's been banging out great tracks and o- obviously we've been recording lots of stuff too during the you know during mm-hmm. our sessions and uh, and uh, yeah he's, he's starting his label like now he's he's been into that for a very long time he's he's also went to school to sort of uh, uh teach that kind of uh business the business side of of that how how to work with the label and uh, that's going to be nice to see he's going to put out those tracks on on his new label so it's going to be a brand new label and yeah cool cool stuff for those of you who don't remember who we're talking about it's benjamin mull yeah (laughs) the brother of joel mull yeah who uh he's also in town Try to call him, but yeah. didn't answer his phone. Yeah. Pick it up, Joel. Yeah, pick up the phone, Joel. At we, least for dinner. <laughs> you didn't have to come over for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean, before going to other things, that, that brings up a good point. You know, you're working with, with, with Benji and like a couple other people. I mean, do you kind of feel yourself going towards this role of uh, helping to create talent and build it up? Or are you... Oh, I always spin into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, uh, when I met... Uh, uh, talking about Joel and Adam and, and, and Jess. Well, those are prime examples, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then we we got we got together and and just the, the first the first the early stuff they released. I was uh, helping them with productions and with mastering and and this kind of stuff. And they just just took off, you know. Totally natural born. <laughs> and I mean, it's really interesting too to see how the uh, trajectory has changed for all of you guys <clears throat> over the years too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's um, super interesting, yeah. I I think for me, like, um, you know, it's at this. Well, I, were you high school friends, or do you guys meet after high school? That's one that, part I'm kind of yeah. That, not, that was uh, after high school. Yeah, we had some mutual friends, and I mean, in the city of Stockholm, if you're into, uh, if you're producing techno and you're really into something like that or any other type of genre, you're gonna bump into to the other players sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's the one thing that I learned over the years of slowly hanging out in Stockholm or staying with Joel and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's a small place. You know, you you guys, even like commercial names like Steve Angelo, yeah, Eric Brides yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. He was telling me like, oh yeah, those guys would go to parties. They would, <clears throat> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Totally. It wasn't like this weird other realm or something like yeah, that. No. It's, 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 it's such a small city in that sense, uh, definitely. And I mean, I knew, I knew the, 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 the father of uh, Ingrosso and you know this from the Swedish house mafia yeah. and and they they weren't poof they visited the studio many times I was working in his father's studio he was uh, he had um, the Plump House Records label and Loop Records uh, to to pretty that was nice label he owned uh, Loop 
Yeah, the the father of Ingrosso. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it's Loop which Records, which is crazy because that's <laughs> when you when you check out Loop Records and then you think of Sebastian Ingrosso. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's like wow, it's that's awesome. Yeah. So he, world, I mean, apart. He, yeah, he grew up on all that music. You know, it's no wonder that they started to produce as well. You know, yeah. But I remember him. He came in in the studio. I mean, he must have been like five, six years old, and ran into the studio. We were banging on the nine oh nines, you know, and he just grew up in that environment of course he's gonna be a brilliant producer <laughs> yeah well i mean and uh correct me if i'm wrong or go into the right details but isn't it like in school they taught you how to use gear like midi which for people who don't produce that's kind of the the, the communication between gear the cables and stuff to, to make it stay on time and whatnot for lack of better description but yeah the midi yeah I mean, or is that incorrect? And I just thought I was, I was told that you guys learned the basic stuff in school. Yeah, yeah, we we had like music class in school. Yeah, yeah, and they you know they get my friend even he got uh, you know like he he went to school like two years after me he got Cubase lessons and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like we had a band in school, but it was traditional. Like he fucking play the trumpet or hop on the drums or something. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is cool. I mean, honestly, that's. Uh, that's one of those things where uh, as you get older and you become more of a musician, you I appreciate the the real instruments more. You know, I wish I could play these instruments well. Like I yeah, yeah. I was in band, I played the drums, I sucked at that. <laughs> I did the baritone, which is similar to the trumpet. I could do that a little bit, but I basically sucked. <laughs> like I've tried everything. My coordination was bad, couldn't read sheet music well, but I can do th- I can play things by ear and of course yeah. I can make music. But yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, but there, there was. If you would have said, "Hey, can we learn about Cubase or MIDI?" Mm. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no. You know, but I, I guess in in Sweden, the if not the government uh, pushes, they realize this and they push a lot of money into sort of making uh, making sure that the music industry in Sweden is healthy. And they try lots of stuff all the time to to invest in in certain types of things. So for it creates, of course, a certain type of environment where people. I mean, if you look at there's so many songwriters uh, from Sweden that they are writing songs for anybody from Rihanna to. Oh yeah. You know, it's it, big pop stars, and you look who who's the songwriters? There's some people from Sweden. There was one like, guy well, in particular that did like five pop big hits at a time or something. I remember yeah. he, he was like 44 and died of a heart attack or something. Oh, that's uh, was it? It's Max. Dennis Pop, sorry, could be that I, was Dennis Pop. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many guys. Then you got ABBA. Yeah, and, uh, it start. It actually these... started back in those days. You know, yeah. And there's <laughs> a lot of people also talk about you know this music, the Eurovision music contest they have yeah. in Europe, right? And and uh, Sweden always came last. And it was uh. like totally crap. And then something happened, you know. And then ABBA came, and after that, you know, it was sort of. I guess it. They say that it gave the confidence to the rest of the country <laughs> yeah, sort of to, on. okay, we can do music, you know, and, and people started to invest more time in that. And it turned out that, yeah, wow, this is, this business just exploded basically. And, and, and all these uh, songs all over the world that are being played. And a lot of them have Swedish songwriters. Well, it brings in cash to the, to, you know, it's, it's uh-huh. an export product for Sweden. And it's it's a very big one too. I would say uh, I I get like every year they get the the balance sheets. I think it was like five hundred fifty five millions. Really? Still? I, I, I don't know if that was euros or f- Swedish crowns. 
Wow. And that was, I guess, for one year or something. And that gets split, you know, all the songwriters get to split. Incredible. And this is, this is only the, what, what's it called? It's a mechanical royalty or something. Well, yeah. but I mean, even if it was in crowns, that would mean 55 million euros. Yeah, yeah, 60 which, million. even if you split that among 9 million uh, yeah. citizens in yeah. Sweden, that's a shitload of money. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, man, that's crazy. Fucking crazy, I know. I mean... I, I mean, know. forget the Volvo, you know. It's, Volvo is yeah, it's, it's made by Sweden, not made in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, of course, IKEA is going to be probably... Is that your biggest export for Sweden? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think at this point it would be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, and then, of course, you have Dolph Lundgren. That's easily the biggest export. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Dolph, actually. Yeah, yeah always, how can you hate on Dolph? I know, I, I know. Mean, how the fuck can you hate him? People are like, well, he was a terrible actor. I'm like, that's the point. He was like, still made it he's, cool. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, if, if you uh, if you get bored and like this podcast isn't doing it for you, just search for some podcasts where they interview Dolph Lundgren because he's talking about like yeah. being a bodyguard and dating Grace Jones and all these like kind of crazy stories. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, he's a Swedish dude that, uh, and he's like a chemical engineer or some shit. Yeah. But they. Tried, they're like, okay, well, you just be Russian for this rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what just, I mean? <laughs> it's it's awesome. ridiculous. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So you got a, definitely a lot going on over there. On top of, um, you know, music was a big part of it, as you said. But you're also, like, really big into art, for example. A lot of drawing, graffiti. Yeah. Your yeah. releases have a lot of your own artwork all over it. Right. Yeah, I like to, I like to do that and you know promote some friends' arts artworks mm-hmm. and and I, I think a, any good record release should have some type of artwork, you know, it could it could yeah. be anything, you know. And I mean nowadays it's not as fun because you only have these small little JPEGs, but still, you know, mm-hmm. well, it, it helps me anyway to keep the records mm-hmm. apart of it because I the mean, names. <laughs> I've decided from here on out that like anytime I'm gonna do like a solo release on my label, yeah. I'm going to do a full color art sleeve because yeah. I'm only doing like a couple a year under my own name. Yeah. So, um, and it, I mean, yeah, sure. It's going to cost me like a grand or two, Yeah. but at least it fucking looks cool. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, to me, it's, it's worth it. If I was doing six, seven releases a year, then I probably wouldn't be singing the same tone, but, yeah, yeah. uh, there's something to be said. Like when you put all that time into the music and you pour your heart into it, well, not that, I mean, it's, it's techno, but you still, you put yourself into the music, yeah. right? Um, oh, we do put a lot of time. Yeah, into so music. you, you, I think just having that special artwork really completes the package. Yeah. 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 And, uh, there's still something about it. And like, even if you're not a vinyl collector, if, if, uh, if you're still a generation that was buying CDs or even cassettes or mm. something like that. Yeah. Everybody, even if it was on the floor of your car and the plastic was all busted up, you can remember, like, everybody knows the Nirvana baby and, like, all these iconic covers. Yeah, or, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. So, no, it's, 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 it fits the, the music, you know. You got to have a little image to it, like a symbol or something. It's, it's yeah, I, I mean, I know what you mean, iconic. It's not really like an icon, but it's sort of a... A lot of people, they put memories on in music too, right? I mean, for most of us, yeah. uh, we hear a certain type of music we or we see that image and, and we remember that time of our yeah. life and, you know, we hopefully remember all the good stuff, you know. Well, oh, you got to take positive. the good with the bad. That's the whole human experience, you <laughs> yeah. know. But, I mean, I know for, for me, like, my track titles are a bit more poetic and I can say that if uh, you bring up a track, I can be like, I remember... Maybe not so much about the track itself, but I know exactly 
what mood I was in. Mm, yeah, as yeah, far or like if I was having a shitty time of my yeah, life, it's like or a very things were good, photo or, album, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Same so, um, in that regard, yeah, definitely. But I mean, I did you sell some of your own artwork at one point? I don't. I don't uh, remember. Yeah, sure. There's there's some stuff floating around. Yeah, okay. definitely. Some, but I mean, is it something you still do now? Or you not yeah, yeah. It? I mean, I always doodle with something when I have ideas. And mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not in the studio, I always doodle with a pencil and paper. And I might scan that, and I just use that eventually for for a little detail in in my homepage or or maybe a yeah. record sleeve or something. And yeah, definitely. Cool. I, I like doing that, and and also like to you know just dabble a bit with messing around with the editing videos mm-hmm. just practicing basically and and getting the kinks of it you know the, the various yeah. programs are so complicated like adobe premiere and after effects and all these totally. director programs Whew. It, it takes some you know but i do that on when i get some hours time 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 left over here and there and just just basically to train to practice to learn new things it's fun to learn new shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, in, in this day and age, you're no longer... You can't just be a DJ or just a, a mm. studio producer. No, no. You're a web designer. Yeah. You're PR. You're, yeah. you, you're a copywriter. You're, you're a t-shirt everything. business. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, I know. I mean, you've done it all. You, you did the, the Second Life thing. Didn't you have a web shop for Second Life? Yeah, I, that, even, I even had, yeah, I had I my know. record shop in, in Second Life, and I sold virtual goods. I had... Hybrid T-shirts, virtual hybrid T-shirts. I crazy. made shoes, buildings, even and stuff like crazy buildings and spaceships. Wow. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, yeah, it's, you know? it's still out, it's still on there. I don't have my own island in there no more. So actually, island where that you can visit. I only have this sort of flat. Oh, uh, you got rid of, uh, got rid of the island. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you got to pay rent. That stuff is expensive. <laughs> is, I I've, I've never been in Second Life. So. That's got to be like I don't know, like five hundred. A month or every third week is like five hundred dollars or something. Yeah, I mean, it's holy shit! Land is pricey. The <laughs> virtual land is pricey. That's more than my flat, yeah. man. <laughs> you know? But I mean, now you've moved on. You're doing the whole Grand Theft Auto thing. Yeah, I, running crew. O- of course, I have a crew in Grand Theft Auto too. Yeah, right? <laughs> gotta do some heists and shit. Yeah, yeah, and that's e- much easier to make money there. Let me tell you, I have like ten million dollars in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> but you were you're going on about some crazy mystery. Oh yeah, that's a really cool thing. They they have like Easter eggs. They hidden the mystery in that game, like a lot of computer games, movies. You know, all this they they put Easter eggs and stuff. And I've always oh. been a big fan of like finding the Easter eggs in in Star Wars movies or whatever. If you look, there's always like these little weird things, you know. You heard about that? Uh, I can go come back to that uh, mystery. But y- did you hear about that thing that in, in Star Wars there's like this 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 theory that goes around that there's a hidden Easter egg in Star Wars that actually Jar Jar Binks is the ultimate. Oh, he's from behind the Sith Lord. everything. It's all about perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Karate Kid was uh, was actually the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. There's a YouTube video that talks about it. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, Just, you know, flip everything. But yeah, the 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 mystery in GTA is is kind of uh, renowned. It starts. To, it's it's you know because a lot of people nobody has figured it out, right? So people are making articles about that. There's YouTube channels going. It's just going crazy, you know. No nobody has figured it out yet. So it's a very it's not like an average computer game uh, Easter egg that yeah. you can sort of you like. It's okay. like an ongoing saga of sorts. Yeah, it's like something really, and they they 
they drop more and more clues and hints every month when there's new downloadable content to, to, to download for that game. And uh, It's like the maze from Westworld or something. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> insane. It just but, gets bigger and bigger yeah. and people, but it's so much fun to read what people are, you know, theorizing about. It's just nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I it's just like remember, the real world. You I know? remember one night, uh, it was like two in the morning. I was so stoned. I'm sitting on my couch and I hopped on the Xbox <laughs> and like you picked me up in the helicopter on oh, Grand right, Theft yeah, Auto yeah. and you're like taking me all around this map showing me like weird uh like uh ufo type shit out in the woods and nudist camps out in the middle of yeah. nowhere and like stuff i would have never in a million years yeah, I know. found i you know, know i know it's so it's so weird like you have this this amazing game world and there's lots of stuff you can do right and then they put stuff like this in there and you got look there's like this weird diagram at the top of the mountain and nobody knows what it means, you know, but mm-hmm. people theorize about it. And you, you, when you look at it, you can see it's a treasure map, you know. It, it, like anybody knows that, all right, this is a hidden treasure somewhere or something is sort of, you know, hidden or there's a secret. And so people are going crazy about I think it's called, generally called the Chiliad, Chiliad Mystery. Okay. And that's like the... the so co- people can research that yeah, if, if you, they care. If you, ser- if you do a net, internet search, like search Chiliad Mystery. I mean, there's so much stuff going to come up. But there's... I mean, there's a there's a Reddit, subreddit at reddit.com for that even. Mm-hmm. And, and GTA forums and oh my goodness, you know. You can lose a lot of time there just yeah. on reading it. Yeah, just... But, just, but it's, it's really f- fascinating stuff. Like, and I've always been kind of interested in how... You know, to I would love to work in the future maybe with something like that to create uh, video games or or virtual worlds or something like that or or movies. Even. I mean, it's inevitable. You know, when you talk about things like Second Life or um, what Grand Theft Auto, Skyrim, yeah. any of this shit yeah, that yeah. where it's like a it. This is like such a primitive form uh, of what I think will be in like let's say ten or fifteen years yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because. Huh? Look at TV right now. Like we are, the, everybody keeps saying it's the quote unquote golden age of TV because mm. there's a lot of good shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is true. But I mean, the thing that people love about Game of Thrones and all these popular shows is like they love to theorize, like you were saying about the video game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like for people who are listening right now and they're like, "Oh Christ, I don't care about video games." Yeah, or Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of these people think it's just, okay, you run around and shoot people or beat them with the bat on the street and yeah, uh, yeah. collect the money. Yeah. And it can be, yeah. if that's what you want it to be. Exactly, yeah. Just like Westworld. Have you seen Westworld at all, this show? Uh, no, no. Okay, it's a new HBO show. It's all right. It's kind of like a, I won't go into it, but it's like a world where you can get away with, you can kill stuff if you want. All right, all rob right. Rob things like Grand Theft Auto. Okay. But anyway, but set in, in like the Wild West. All right. Anyway, my point is, is like... uh so that at the surface levels, there's that, but then there's like all this other stuff you can get into, or just ride around, or build yeah. up houses with friends, or yeah, yeah. dumb shit. And like, I think with time, as people want to get more engrossed in a story and invested in things, yeah, and as like virtual reality gets bigger, like Oculus and all that, people mm. will enjoy these kind of games where it's like you go to a cutscene. And you can look around and you're basically part of this like scripted thing and yeah. then you can go off into the world and yeah. the, you know what I mean? It it's just fr- seems inevitable. Free roam, yeah. Because fuck man, already Netflix and these services are taking over, so the the classic model that we grew up with is going out the window quicker than you can imagine. Oh yeah. You no. know? I think it's fascinating. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens with that. And I mean you you can see, for example, Hollywood and movies and I mean, it's the the gaming industry is taking more and more of their cut, so to speak. Oh, it's, I mean, I I went to the states uh, last week, 
and all these like Doritos and Mountain Dew and all this shit. They yeah. got like all over the packaging. It's if you buy this stuff, it helps you in a video game. Whatever, <laughs> one. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's just cross marketing. But yeah. I mean that that stuff's gonna happen more. Like yeah, I've been uh, thinking about that too. Some shows, if it you'll see this thing pop up on some channels, like pull up Shazam on your phone now for chance to win this or a free whatever snapchat yeah fucking and thing, I, you know? I mean you see you see kind of clever new uh, ways also to to uh, use music and yeah, i mean nowadays you know you can nobody not a lot of people maybe care about buying music because everything is sort of they get access for free to music which is sort of of course hard when you make music you can't really survive on it so you have to have a regular job and make music in the spare time you know you're never going to mm-hmm. create the best music that you can create maybe then so it doesn't really help the the music creators in the world and yeah. i think it's important to have good music in the world imagine totally yeah imagine a world with no music like you can't right it's impossible. So, so this is this. Uh, the gaming industry has a good way of, you know, sort of uh, making use of music, uh, mm-hmm. where people get access to. I mean, then musicians at least get some money for it. <laughs> yeah, that's not really. It's yeah. only the top players that really can live. Yeah. Well, some of these, some of those video game guys, they make like two hundred fifty grand a year. You know, something like that, or maybe even bigger. I don't know at this point, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's becoming a big thing too. But, you know, like, uh, who was I talking? I know Surgeon, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He did uh, Midnight Club tracks, the records that were on Counterbalance. Yeah, yeah. 2001, I believe. Yeah. Those tracks were for a PlayStation game. Yeah. And this is before Rockstar, who who did all the Grand Theft Auto games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They said, uh, do you want to take points or do you want to take a payout? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and also, I was talking to Claude Young about this because Claude took a payout for whatever game. And then... <laughs> Tony, because this Midnight Club tracks game sold a shitload of copies. Same yeah. with Grand Theft Auto Three, Four, all that. Yeah. Now they don't give you points because you're getting a fucking huge payday. Yep. You yep. know, and uh, so now you, you're basically going to get a set fee if you um, do these games. But man, just imagine being on one of those blockbuster games that sells like 10 million copies and you're getting percentages man that's Ooh. that's insane yeah it's insane yeah I, I think grand theft auto is one of the biggest uh, selling uh, titles out there it's just the crazy amounts of people that bought that game totally this <laughs> is amazing and i mean yeah it's I, I i like that avenue for for music too like i when I talk to a lot of guys, or well, not when not when I talk to them, but if you listen to a lot of interviews or read magazines and stuff, especially with dance music people, they're like, "What would you like to do in your career?" You know, if techno's <laughs> over, whatever. Like, I guess I would like to, I don't know, make an ambient piece for a film score or something. And I'm like, to me, that's the most boring answer and idea. I mean, I I'm not knocking it because I wouldn't mind doing that too. I want to yeah, do everything. No, of course, it's but that'll be a fun project. I think you know, for me, if I was going to keep music in my life. I would kill to like work with some bands or other kinds of music or like real musicians and like push oh, my yeah. skills. Yeah, because yeah, it's that. like it's not hard to push a couple black keys and make a haunting pad to go into a horror movie or something. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to make it good, but I you know I really want to push my limits, yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what I'm getting into more these days. I'm trying to work with people that are outside of the dance music realm. And oh make, yeah, yeah, just and that's something I always like to do, yeah. and. and uh, like I, I work with, uh, but yeah, some vocalists, uh, people play instruments, and I help them record their albums and this and that. Help them with mastering and just uh, and a lot of it 
you know, as friends of mine, you know, and I just like to be part of their sort of projects because it's fun. You know, you learn new things and, and they make their music in such a different way than compared to me. And, and I get sort of exposed to that and I get new ideas. And just like you say, like working with bands and other people that are dabbling with music, it's so much more fun than to, to always be in your studio by yourself and sort of doing. Totally. And I mean, I, I mean, I guess that was going to lead him to one of the questions I was going to ask is, mm. is that what keeps it interesting for you all this time later? Or, I mean, you know, like, especially, let's say, uh, when it comes to techno, because a lot of times it is a very formulaic genre in the sense that you got your 4-4 four, four kick mm -hmm. and kind of your hi-hat yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It can be easy to be, to need to get new inspiration. So would you say, like, collaborations and stuff is something that helps keep you going? Or are you just so in love with it that that doesn't really ever come to mind yeah no i mean yeah absolutely so, sometimes you you know you just want to i mean sometimes i i just want to do tracks all by myself and i i just i hear the sounds already in my head you know sort of yeah i, I want, want it like this and but then there's periods where you you know it's sort of in between where i want to work with some collaborations. I, I, th I can't, you know, I got to have a little bit of uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. And that that's definitely inspires me to, to work with other people and just, I mean, listen to other music and check out different types of art forms or, or whatever. Just like even a walk in nature could, could give me inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I really think people uh, undervalue the current state of affairs in their life as a very driving force or lack of driving force for for their output mm -hmm. i mean i think that's the same reason like you know you take uh there's some people that claim punk music's been dead since the 80s and stuff like yeah. that and it's like well that's all perspective i guess <clears throat> definitely but yeah in, a, in in some regards sure because there was the world was in a different state of mind at that point you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah just as like when it comes to dance music in 95 things were a hell of a lot different on records and at parties because yeah. it was a different world. Today we have smartphones and we got, yeah. you know, we're talking about uh, the Battle of Aleppo and all this shit that's on our mind that, I mean, not that that stuff, there wasn't bad things happening in 95, but, you know, it's just a different world, so you react differently. Totally, yeah. And, I mean, I, this is also going and stretching it a bit, but I've also felt like... uh darker music also comes from darker times and at the moment like dark techno is really popular again mm -hmm. yeah, and i think that's it's 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 been rising for sure for the yeah. last five years yeah and sure. i think it's kind of a byproduct of what's going on today you know what i mean there's a lot of people it's incredible yeah, it might you, be yeah definitely everybody there's only like a handful of people who i know or i've spoken to they're like man 2016 was amazing everybody yeah. else like that this year sucked yeah yeah but that's true, um that's true. <laughs> yeah. but like you know and then Let's take 2000, 10 years ago, 2006, seven. it was the big minimal thing. At that point, well, in 2007, we had the big bubble pop in America and everybody lost their job. But yeah. prior to that, everybody was in a good mood because it was kind of, every the world was kind of moving on after 9-11 a bit and yeah. people had some jobs and stuff. So the music was all happy and funky and all that shit. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, as it starts to kind of trend downward a bit, it, yeah. I notice the music get heavier. Yeah, that's that's, I mean, really, that's, in, that's really interesting. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and and there's also I also notice that some sometimes you know when there's just a lot of rough stuff going on in an area, 
then suddenly there's there's more parties there. Yeah, I mean, so well, people sort of need to blow off that steam, and it's just a like. Remember, I remember when it when when was that when it was. Uh, Former Yugoslavia and the, the I was whole, just gonna mention that whole area. Fuck lots of parties going on there during that time and and afterwards, like the, yeah. the aftermath of all that, it was just parties, parties, parties. And I played a, a lot there, mm-hmm. and and then uh, after a while, it just calmed down, and there's not as much parties going on there. Yeah, well, because they at first, not only is it maybe a new thing for them, but they need that because it's like so yeah. extreme their setting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I you know, do you remember? Anything that you could like mention about those parties that was of interest, like something distinct or a nostalgic, <clears throat> I don't know, trace of it or anything? Just that they were very frantic, the parties there. People were just really energetic, it's crazy, and very, very sort of, I guess, happy for the moment right there. And they were just, they didn't care about anything else but the party. Yeah. But maybe it was the only thing that they really had. Some, of, I mean, a lot of those people yeah, there. Man. It was the only th- sort of positive thing they had at the moment. So they were really clinging into that and were getting into it. And it's just, I mean, amazing vibe on the party. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I mean, they didn't even have alcohol to get tipsy over there. Yeah. During most parts, I guess, because everything was a shortage. and mm-hmm. so, But people were just so high on life in that sense that, they're gonna survive, or they have some yeah. sort of like, let's we can do this, and yes, it was very I interesting. Mean, I guess I would, you could almost say like, uh, they're partying like there's no tomorrow because maybe there won't be one. Yeah, yeah, and that I would mean, change my perspective on everything too. You know, definitely. I think that's a good word. That's that hits the mm-hmm. hammer on the nail. They partied like there was no tomorrow. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I remember when I first started going to Colombia ages ago. Um, Things were still a little shaky down there, mm. you know. Um, yeah, and it was really interesting the first couple times I went because I was like, "Holy shit, I'm in <laughs> Colombia!" Yeah, and then you'd you, be you, sitting in the car with these kids and like, they, "Holy shit, there's a foreign DJ <laughs> in Colombia!" And uh, so there was, and it was still kind of, it wasn't a new thing. There was people coming through already before me, like Richie and stuff like that. Yeah. I may, when was the first time you went there even? I can't remember. I can't remember was it, at was all. Was it a long time ago though now? Or? No, it wasn't that long time okay. ago. It must have been like, poor. Six, seven? Okay. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was I want to say, I don't remember, maybe 2003 or four for me. I really got to look. Yeah. But anyway, point is, is that... um. Everybody was excited. There was this general vibe because, you know, it wasn't such a... It was happening, but it wasn't such a common thing for foreigners to come through and play music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not that they didn't have turntables, just foreigners being there. Yeah. And it was yeah. a crazy thing for me because I'm like, fuck, dude, this is like Narcos, Pablo Escobar territory. <laughs> and at that point, like, I was in the car and I would see guys flying around on the streets on dirt bikes with the machine guns. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, because even my, my family members like, I do you really need to be going to Columbia? And I was young. I was like, I just want to play techno, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm freaking out. And then they're, they like tap me on the in the car like, no, 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 it's cool. If you see those guys, it means we're safe. I'm yeah. like, what the hell did I get myself into? But, um, you know, so the parties were great. And, I mean, the parties are still cool in Columbia now. I'd say there's maybe getting better again because there was this kind of downtick for a while where it didn't feel the same. But it was also, that leads to my, my next point, it kind of 
just like Europe, it becomes another night out for them. You know yeah. what I mean? It, the yeah. the energy dies down a bit. It's still possible to have a great party, but it's not that like newness or like uh, I need to get this out of my system. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I, mean, they, I mean, their their uh, scene is gonna go through all the changes that a lot of other scenes have done too. That you know are are a bit. Oh older. yeah, I mean that's part of the natural growth. Yeah. And thank God it did because I I think it's in a really cool spot right now. You know, like there was there was some periods where, well, I guess Europe was also responsible for that kind of like the electro techno sort of mm, kick or mm, whatever. Mm, mm. Uh, but not 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 like as in classic electro, but yeah, kind of yeah. like bad Vitalik uh, rip offs with a stronger kick drum or something like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. You know I, mean? I I it's it's a, it's even a different genre for me, but I don't really. I try not to label genres too often. I just go like, "Yeah, this is this is yeah, I like this. Uh, or, let me play this. Or, let me have some." Of this. <laughs> it's like food, isn't it? And then it's like, "Oh, that's that looks nice too." But you know, I I don't want to eat that. It's not tasty for me. But that doesn't matter. It's it's shit. It's just, yeah, totally. It, it doesn't work for me, but it'll definitely work for somebody else. Well, I think when it, a lot of things about genres is when it starts off. Usually, it starts off and it's can be pretty good or exciting because it's different. Like some of these first uh, Electro House records in, in finger quotes here because they're neither Electro or House. But, you yeah. know, that thing, some were pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the masses run with it and it mm. just gets out of hand and mm. whatever. But... Um, there's there's got to be something uh, new in the I media. Mean, they, can't, they can't label it the same thing... Uh, yeah, more than one year in a row. <laughs> you know, it, Put it's happened with everything. Dubstep comes, you know, from you know the original UK stuff and the grime and all that. They're like yeah. that really heavy dub pressure kind of shit. There's still no other bass lines like that out there on the fucking planet on some of those records. But then, <laughs> fast forward to the age of I don't know, I don't keep up with it, Skrillex or whatever's big at the moment, mm. and it's like completely <clears throat> different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But everybody would be, or anybody that hates, uh, let's say, dubstep, would be quick to say the whole genre sucks, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, There's I'm, something good in every genre. I'm an equal genre. opportunity hater. I'd say 95% of every genre sucks. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's 5% that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> Maybe in dubstep, I'd say 98% of it sucks. <laughs> I, I watched a show uh, the other day, and it was funny. This There was this old guy talking about dubstep, and he's like, uh, what do you say? He goes, it sounds like a hop, skip, and a jump through RoboCop's anus. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. I was checking but. out yesterday, I was checking out some, uh, what's that, what do they call it, foot footworking. Uh, oh, yeah. Chicago, and the, <laughs> I fucking love it. That's some awesome stuff. And they, they sort of, the upper body is just stiff, and their foots mm-hmm. are doing like, dun, 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 and the production, the music, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty... Awesome. It's low tech, like a lot of it sounds really low tech and MPC sixty type of style. Yeah, I mean it's, but it's awesome. It's kind of a combination of like hundred influences from ghetto house to like Miami bass, yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, juking and stuff. And like, <laughs> it's it's not exactly up my alley necessarily, but <laughs> it's, it's definitely got its own thing going on. You I know? think it's just hilarious, funny. It's just great. I mean, maybe not, you know. Oh, I'd sit down at home and listen to this. It's a bit like yeah. techno. I wouldn't enjoy listening to it at home you know i rather put on something more smoother yeah but i think you when you experience it in the club and when people are going nuts to it it's just a 
a great feeling to see that, you know. <laughs> I would like, well, the thing is, is because I'm a techno DJ, I'm playing at techno parties, I come back home to Berlin. Mm-hmm. You only can go to techno parties. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't ever really, like, there's so much music coming out that I'm like, I would be really interested to see what a party is where this kind of vibe goes off. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, because even some of my friends or colleagues, you know, like, uh, Arl Brick is a good friend of mine. I, of course, I've seen him play live sometimes, but yeah. you know, his stuff is much more like uh, he he calls it trance for adults, but you know, like <laughs> melodic and, and and chilled out. Yeah, yeah. And he's playing me some of his new stuff that he's making, and I'm just like, some of it is really hard for me to imagine what it would go over like in a club. Mm, yeah, but I would love to see that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah. just one step one click away in techno now yeah. imagine a completely different genre yeah, yeah like uh i don't go to drum and bass parties at all anymore but i i started off djing mm-hmm. drum and bass and i'd be really curious to see what's going on with the music but then i get lazy and i, <laughs> I just don't go out you know? and there's not much going on here for it anyway at the moment yeah not in berlin no not really i think yeah. there's a club called subland if it's mm. still open they're doing stuff otherwise mm-hmm. your guess is as good as mine yeah, no, I, I guess you got to get over to London to, something to get like something uh, going like that. And there, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I got some friends who dabble with that and they always have friends over from London. And, you know, I, I sit, have some nice conversations with them and they they tell me it's sort of small pockets, basically. Yeah. And it's it's more, I mean, the really interesting stuff is very, you, you it's hard to find it. You know, you got you to gotta go there. Is it, uh, would one of your friends be that dude, Seba, by chance? Oh, yeah, I know Seba, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but Joel turned me on to yeah, yeah. the album is. It's cool stuff, you know? Mm. He's so. he's doing that drifty, dreamy, nice, melodic stuff, and yeah, yeah. Well. Which is what I was into now, like, when I first started playing drums. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I think any young guy is going to kind of go this route where it's like, when you're younger, you just want the banging-ass shit, yeah, yeah, dark and tacky, you know, yeah, I was into that vibe, and then if you were, like, telling me, like, oh, listen to LTJ Bukum or whatever, mm-hmm. I'd be like, fuck that, you know, that's too smooth <laughs> for yeah, me, yeah. and now that's exactly what I want, yeah, but no. uh, that just shows that... Uh, Mellowing out. I'm yeah, we uh, we had all that stuff in the record shop back in those days, so there was nothing that I missed. It was uh, I liked. I mean, both of you know, a bit of everything. I liked the banging stuff and the smooth stuff, and yeah. Um, but yeah, I just uh, always been a, a proper music eater. It's not nothing really. I don't. I can't digest or like. Oh, mm-hmm. this. I. I mean, even the craziest glitch stuff. I mean, it's not like I want to listen to that for 10 hours straight, but I find it so interesting. I was yeah. checking out some stuff like that uh, yesterday as well. And yeah. It's like, wow, this is some crazy stuff. Well, before you came over, like Apex Twin played in Houston. Uh, oh, yeah? For, yeah, yesterday. I don't know how long ago he played his last gig, but anyway, it's a big deal. And someone did the whole Facebook Live thing. They put an hour of his set on the thing, and it's, uh-huh. it's a shitty cam... Yeah, recording but i was like i just recording. wanted to see what was going on <laughs> and it was just like awesome fucking experimental glitched out acidy shit yeah which i would love to see in person and stuff or here at a party but the odds of me listening to that at home these days are slim to none you know yeah, what i mean yeah, just yeah. there's a time and a place so yeah i'd but, say i would want to see something like that i would want to see that out on the big p totally definitely uh i would you know well i would love to do that too yeah, well, that being that that being said, as far as like being a producer, I mean, you've done a little bit of everything. But is there still 
something you want to write like you got this kind of project a dream project you're like someday i'm gonna try and do a, oh yeah, yeah i don't know classical album yeah, yeah i mean there's there's a lot of ideas uh, future projects i have for sure and i mean not only techno a lot of other stuff just any type of music and but i mean anything in particular or, or well, something you never really yeah chased after yet because you've done a little bit of everything but. yeah i mean i've i've done pretty much all the sort of music that is within my reach that I sort of, okay, I can manage to produce this. Mm -hmm. But I mean, some orchestra type of stuff, I've never really thought about that or sort of, but with real instruments, definitely. I mean, I, I have some, you know, I mm -hmm. did some recordings myself with playing various instruments, but it's also very experimental. It's not very classical or, or anything like that. But definitely it would be interesting to do projects with, you know, I, I really like, what's it called? When you, when you have sound in sync with the objects on, on a screen, for example. So you have this sort of visual synchronization with stuff happening on a screen or even live, like actually mm -hmm. in the room, there's stuff happening. Uh, synced up Give it another music. dimension of sorts. Yeah, that would be interesting to do such a like a proper project, like a really intricate project like that. Even maybe a, like sort of an exhibition or something mm -hmm. where you would actually you have to go there. You, it's nothing that you can look at on the computer sure. screen. You have to sort of go there to experience it too, and you get involved in it. So when you move around in the room, for example, there are certain things happening. And you notice Almost that... Almost like it's a big theremin or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. I have some really interesting ideas that I haven't really seen anybody else do, you know, yeah. just uh, things that are in that direction, you know, art exhibitions that sort of combine sound and interaction. And uh, have you maybe seen sometimes also, I would like to see lots more of that type of artwork out in the public where you have a subway Interactive station things. yeah where you walk down the, the the corridor and then you just see like while you're walking you're actually changing stuff on the wall or the sounds are changing yeah i've and, seen that i mean i think uh, i really like it and uh you know in being in berlin i mean it's some of it's a bit primitive but they have i think it's the light festival which is maybe around this time of year where they will light up different different buildings and stuff. Actually, yeah. one thing that's worth talking about is I went to uh, with a couple friends to this... Uh, do you know who James Terrell is? He's a guy that... He's an artist that works with light. Oh, Meaning, right. like, he'll shine a light through a red piece of glass yeah. off of a mirror into a blue thing and create this crazy visual, like, on a wall or mm. light up a room. Um, anyway, he... There's a church and a cemetery here, and I... Don't quote me on the number. I think they spent like $1.7 million on re renovating this church. Whoa. So basically, uh, when I went, and this is a permanent uh, exhibition, so when you come visit Berlin, whether it's you or somebody listening, you can check this out. Uh, every day at sunset, uh, how the sun sets completely affects how the, uh, the church is lit up on the outside and the inside. Mm, yeah. So basically... Uh, if the sun, if it's cloudy uh, tomorrow, that'll affect the sunny day on Tuesday uh, for the sunset, and it changes like how the colors of the room go. Because it's not like he's just turning on uh, electricity. You know what I mean? Like he'll 
take the light sources from mm. elsewhere and shine it. I mean, it's, yeah. like, at first you think, like, okay, this guy's just shining lights at a wall. Cool. Like, <laughs> no, it's like some, like, fucking high-end Harvard, really nerdy shit. You mm. know what I mean? That sounds and, fascinating, uh, I think. I mean, that's, like, literally taking something organic straight out of nature. Mm. You know, that's not even just plugging in a computer to a wall. Yeah, no. I can say... um you know, uh, when I did parties in Minneapolis, well, I mean, I guess I still do, but I'm here mm. uh, with my partner, Steve Centrific. We did a party. It was the Intellifunk 10-year party, and we had an artist come in. It was really interesting. We did a THX 1138 theme. All oh, right. And oh, in yeah. that, they got the tattoos on everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. So what we did is we had a guy come in, and in order to get in the party, you don't get a wristband. You had to get mm. tattooed. So you <laughs> put a temporary tattoo on your arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but awesome. the interesting thing about this. No, it's got to be a real tattoo. Yeah, so you're gonna have to get in that chair. God, it's for a lot. It's the the guest list line was or the the uh, the line to get in was longer than the Bergheim line. Everybody, awesome. no, I'm just kidding. But uh, um, no, it was just temporary tattoos, which was a pain in the ass, and it did take because you had to get them all wet and hold yeah. it for thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you get in, and we I don't remember what it was. I want to say there was like four setups where you we'd have different types of tattoos and you go scan your tattoos and it would react to these little exhibition things awesome yeah it was pretty cool i mean it it was still a little bit primitive by today's standards but i mean this was uh it was eight years ago or something so i mean fuck Mm. man you know it was for a rave party it was pretty cool and conceptual shit i think Mm. yeah Yeah, that sounds it was a good party that sounds awesome man yeah, and I, I would I would like to see more stuff like that, like definitely. new stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Know? And and just there's so much. I mean, tech, just taking the technology that we have today, even the simple stuff, just by connecting a few laptops and you know putting a few wires here and there, you can connect like two different clubs or whatever and do interaction installations. Where you, I mean, it's the, the boundaries the boundaries yeah. are limitless now because of the, it's so easy access to. the the technology mm-hmm. for us to do crazy lightning things or any kinds of experiments uh, at parties and uh, stuff. I mean, I can't... Well, actually, I don't know. I don't think this episode will be out before Christmas Day. But anyway, uh, mm. I'm working on a, a little Christmas gift project at the moment for somebody using like a Raspberry Pi board. You know what those are? They're the little cheap circuit boards that are mm-hmm. like in drones and all this shit. Now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I know my shit technically, but I'm not a that's kind of like pushing my limits, like that whole engineering thing. Mm-hmm. But like, these are easy projects where you can look it up online and there'll be like a cool little thing where you could make your own shit out of this stuff. So, oh, easily, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and like, I dabble with that kind of stuff too. I, uh, so, I mean, th- this, this project will probably sit me, sit me back like 60, 70 bucks, not much, yeah. but you could totally use this. You could get a display. You could do a really interesting street art thing out in the public. Yeah. And people will be, if you're, clever enough people will be blown away and it sure somebody might steal the box whatever but it's 60 bucks that's yeah, art you exactly know? yeah graffiti artists spend that way more on spray painting yeah, shit, yeah so yeah. that's an know. awesome idea yeah but i mean so that being said you'd like to do that uh other hobbies i know you were in the martial arts a lot do you still do that or no yeah i i mean it's it's always been fascinated with uh with um, praying mantis kung fu ever since i was a kid and i you know i collected all those hong kong movies vh i still have like hundreds and hundreds of vhs oh, wow. tapes up in that and uh and a lot you know i'm very fascinated by the philosophical side of it 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's a good way to keep yourself fit as well. You know, I mean, we got to, you know, at least jump up on a bike now and then if you're in a studio. Yeah. Right? So it's just a good way to, to, you know, stretch and keep yourself a bit. So you're still agile. keeping it. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, thing. I'm 44 now, so I, I want to, you know, it's good to keep in shape uh, when you want to DJ and travel around. It's good to try to, you know, live a little bit healthy sometimes. So that's right. <laughs> I, I, and it gets more crucial as time goes on, not only because you get older, but I think also success too. Mm. I mean, like if you're someone that, you know, you just traveling a couple times a month or something, yeah, playing yeah. a couple hours, it's maybe not that big of a deal. But if you're a guy that's doing two gigs a weekend, three gigs a weekend plus, or, you know, like Adam, for example, mm, yeah, yeah, insane, you you have no choice. You have to start eating healthier. You have yeah, to yeah, yeah. live healthier because it will kill you. And that's not even like being, uh, you know, dramatic about it. I mean, uh, and that's even even if you're not partying down, drinking or doing drugs, like it just takes its toll on you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's, the, it's the weird hours, the traveling. Yeah. You know, okay, shit. Oh, I got to wait. I know food now. I got to get some sandwich here and blah, blah, yeah. blah. You do that all year round. That'll take its toll. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, put it this way. A lot of people can sit there and always say like, oh, uh, you know, there's like hashtags, uh, DJs complaining or like, must be hard <laughs> being a DJ and traveling around the world and shit. Yeah. And it's like, of course there's perks. Like, okay, laugh it off a little bit. But when you think about it, and I know people who are listening to this show, most people have had a really fucking mental night out that took days or a week to recover from. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, the the smoky club all that bass and the sound and the energy hitting your body for two hours, four hours, 10 hours, whatever, that whole night, maybe the whole yeah. weekend. Yeah. If you are a crazy person and you're partying down and you know getting into some sinful stuff, <laughs> that takes its toll on you. Yeah. And so like you did that, you had that you had that experience and that happened what you know once a month or when you're younger every weekend or something. Yeah. But now imagine a person, let's say like a a you know, a nice a DJ right now that's doing like let's say four gigs a month, like what's one gig a week? That's a fair schedule. That's totally yeah. cool. Yeah. Um. Now to have a big night out four times a month every <laughs> month, that would be insane. And that's <laughs> not even just like when you finally get home and then like go out for dinner and drinks with your friends, which can get messy. Yeah. So it's like uh, that will really take its toll on your body. Yeah, definitely. You know. So that's good. But the other part that you mentioned which is a good segue is you're into the whole philosophy of, of, uh, praying manis Kung Fu and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, uh, Kung Fu basically is philosophy, you know, it's, it's just a way of perceiving the world around you and mm-hmm. like philosophy is, and I always been interested in that poetry, philosophy, yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I don't know, metaphysics. Totally. Just love that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it definitely, I mean, like, I, I was in uh, Kempo for six years, and then I did a couple other bouts of MMA stuff mm-hmm. just before I moved to Berlin, um, and I haven't really been impressed with any of the, the schools here in Berlin, mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. kind of fell off with it, to be, yeah, to be yeah. honest. I'd like to get back in, but I mean, it definitely, you know, there's something to be said, because, like, uh, especially if you're a kid or you have, there's some people that are parents right now, and they get their kids in karate, they think, like, yeah, oh, yeah. if you get your kid in karate, you're just going to go around and beat everybody's ass in school. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly. like, no, there's something about it. Like, yeah. you you get behind the philosophy, and you realize, yeah. like, I'm not going to kick everyone's ass. I'm not going to be an asshole. Like, yeah. you're going to... I'd say the better you become at martial arts, the less prone you will be to use 
unnecessary force. 100%. And especially to bully somebody else. Well, and I, I think it, it goes beyond that. It's like uh, respect. Yeah. You know, and a lot of things. You know, like uh, I, I talked to one girl recently that's a friend of mine, and she's like, her, her kid's getting to be, I think, eight or nine now. Mm-hmm. She's like, dude, he's kind of turning into a little asshole. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's like, I'm, she's a good parent, and it's, you know, whatever. But yeah. I was just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Put him in classes just for yeah. a month. Try it out. See what happens. Put um, him in classes right, right away. And I, I would recommend that to anybody on the show, like especially if uh, maybe your kid's got like uh, issues with self-confidence yeah. or behavior yeah, or you know what I mean? It'll whip them into shape. It gets them out of the house. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a misconception that like sending your kid to martial arts school would turn him into like a fighter or a gang member totally or I, it's the opposite you know? yeah it's just so hard to realize you think oh now he's, somebody's going to teach him how to hit people over the head uh, yeah well it's not really like that well, <laughs> and, and i mean let's be honest well these days a lot of schools have moved over to mixed martial arts not only because it's popular because of ufc and stuff but because i kind of agree in the sense that it's the most realistic you know uh way you're going to be able to use fighting on the street if you have to yeah yeah like it's, a lot of these basically street yeah fighting, i yeah. mean if you send a kid off to taekwondo or something and i'm not trying to talk shit about taekwondo but a lot of these things it's very like on this structural form thing like if a guy was to hit me right here here's what i could do <laughs> yeah. like a lot of this stuff wouldn't really fly in the real world no you, in a tournament if you're doing tournament fighting where it's got this like a system to it yeah it would work yeah like boxing there are rules totally to uh, but in street fighting, there's no, there's no rule of a yeah. fucking pool cue coming your way or a chair or something. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think your kid or you as a person are going to get any more violent. In fact, I think you're just going to be more calm with yourself. Absolutely. Uh, definitely more fit if you're working out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, no, you're going to have a more stable mind for sure. And it's a hell of a lot more interesting to, at least in my opinion to do some bag work, kicking a bag or whatever, than it is like running on a treadmill. You're moving around. Mm-hmm. You, you got to think about it. You oh, know, yeah. And, I mean, you, uh, you you learn more balance, more coordination and all that stuff. So the treadmill is just garbage compared to a yeah. nice, good session with, uh, you know, just go f- like one hour session once mm-hmm. a week, send your kid once once a week to, to a school. Hey, man. Because uh, I, 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 I used to... Uh, do some teaching, not as I would be an assistant teacher. Mm. All the time, parents would do it with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not like, well, it depends on some schools. It's There's classes just for kids or adults. Yeah, yeah. But they'd have classes like where I grew up, Tuesday nights and I think Thursday nights, there'd be mothers and fathers, I mean, uh, awesome. daughters and fathers. That's and awesome, like, yeah. the, you know, the one kid might be a brown belt or some shit and mm. the dad might be yellow belt he's brand new but like mm-hmm. they're kind of doing it together they're learning stuff yeah, they're, awesome. you know and uh so that that just look just thinking about that makes me happy <laughs> yeah man i mean and I, I, th- I think it's a really good thing you know and people kind of forget that they neglect yeah. it or they feel like they gotta <sighs> let's we're gonna go I to the mall we're gonna kids. go shopping blah blah, blah. yeah Fuck that. go go to a class you don't even have to do yeah. karate go do something yeah know? yeah there's so much different stuff hey tai yeah. chi you know hey yeah. that's less totally that's the least violent thing there or, is or <laughs> yoga or whatever yeah. you know what i mean exactly so. I, I if i ever get kids that's what i'm gonna do it's yeah gonna be a lot of martial arts and 
all that totally. kind of stuff. <laughs> Feel sorry for them. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, fuck, I just want to sit on your Xbox, yeah, man. <laughs> man. Well, uh, I, then I get them to, to do some Kung Fu games on the Xbox then. Right on. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ripping people's intestines out. Like. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Another part of the combat philosophy. But I, I guess I, I really wanted to bring this up at the beginning of the show, which yeah. looks like was, damn, a good hour and a half ago. Time's flying. Oh, yeah. No, uh, this feels like 15 minutes or something. I know. Well, it's good. It's having good. a good time, Dustin. Yeah. We got a little bit of time to kill before dinner anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, is uh, one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on the show, not just because growing up, like, I bought your records and I was a big fan of you, but as I got to know you, I was a big fan of, uh, you know, your kind of philosophy or your outlook on life, and mm. it's definitely unique. Um, cool, you, thanks, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, for, like, a lot of guys that have been in it for years, you're still, like, extremely down-to-earth. Mm. Like you, you're still traveling around a lot. You're playing gigs. You're putting yeah. out records, yeah. but you're not trying to sell people mixers. You're not trying to be on the covers of magazines. Yeah, or, no, no. You I know don't. what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's not like this ego thing there. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with doing that stuff no, either no, no, at no. all. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it seems like, and you know, everybody's got their good times and the bad times. So I'm not saying life's perfectly great for you, but. uh it seems like you found what makes you comfortable in success. That means like just having the money you need to get by, being yeah. able to yeah, yeah. fucking make music, yeah. uh, play video games, uh, art, whatever it is that you're into at yeah, the time. Exactly. And yeah. uh, I don't. I, I'm low maintenance. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think you're not. Or at least maybe I don't know it, but it seems like you're not chasing after something that you're not even aware of. Or yeah, you know no, what I mean? no, definitely. It's good to have not. goals. Don't yeah, get me no, wrong. I but. mean, I, you know, I have dreams uh, and stuff like that. But I, I guess I'm trying to restrain myself from chasing after dreams that are not my own, that are somebody mm-hmm. else's dreams or just fucking implanted dreams or yeah. just like what's it called illusions, you know? Yeah. And and I just I feel really the. I don't know, the older I get, I just feel more and more comfortable with just like, if your belly is full and you have a roof over your head, you have health, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got your friends and family, cool. like, you, what, what else is there really? There's nothing else that's uh, important, yeah. you know, just spending time with them. That's it, you know, like we're doing now. It's awesome to, to hang out with you again. And, mm-hmm. and these sort of, those are the moments that I really live for. All those moments that you have with people you meet, friends, and, you know, I mean, for me, Every person I ever met in my life is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I look at it. You know? yeah. Unless they come yeah. over my house, steal everything I have, knock me over my head, and and say something nasty. But to that won't happen because you know <laughs> kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think if you're just you know if you're being yourself, you're being down to earth, and you just treat everybody else like you know you laid back. I think the chances of something like that even happening are really being slimmed down. You know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I just think that's the right way to go about life overall mm. for a variety of different reasons. And I mean, uh, you know, I think I'm no different. There's like, I know that I'm chasing after shit that I have no clue what I'm chasing after. <laughs> I think that's just part of growing up. But I mean, okay, yeah. so you found this uh, certain feng shui or zen in life. Is yeah, that yeah. But I mean, you know, you've been in this for over 20 years. I'm every career uh, that's that long. You have your ups and downs mm, in the yeah. career, and like yeah. questioning things. But like, did you kind of always know that that was your path, or was there at some point where you're just like, man, do I should I be like trying to play in 
Ibiza or whatever, yeah, or yeah. getting on this magazine. Yeah, or, or just like start doing writing pop music or yeah. That, I mean, all those thoughts have occurred to me, of course. Uh, you know, I definitely, and not only once, just several times even. Uh, but I just like, no, I, you know, I just, I listen to myself and uh, try not to, yeah, just r- really follow your heart. I think it's such a cliche, isn't it? But that's it. That's well, it's it. a cliche for a reason, though. Yeah, maybe, but I'm just listening to, okay, what do I want to do? And what, what's going to make me happy ultimately? So I, when I get in that vibe, mm-hmm. I can make, I can give to people, you know, I can serve sort of, you mm-hmm. know, I can be helping other people to just, you know, get on a good foot. Totally. And, and if, if I'm not on a good foot, how the fuck am I supposed to mm-hmm. help anybody else? So, you, you know, and, and like we said, like if you want to, you know, put your name on a mixer and do this and that, and that's cool. I mean, if that's ah. what you want to do, then you Just should do Just please do it right. Do yeah. it well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do it nice. Do it with some nice style. And, and that's going to ultimately make you happy so you can bring it on. You know, you can just make your people around you happy. And uh, because, you know, sometimes uh, you're not having the best week of your life and then you're really fucking happy that you can hang out with some friends that can, you know, yeah, give you a good totally. pep talk, you know, and slap you in the face like, hey, you fucking lazy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, just whatever you need, you know. Of course, that comes <laughs> up. But so let's, that, that being said, because uh, there's always a ton of... Um, a ton of people on the show that are kind of aspiring, mm. whether it's to be a promoter or a DJ producer. I mean, like, you got any pep talk for them? You know, or like things yeah, like to consider if if you wanna if you wanna get into pr- production or promoting parties and you mean like that? Yeah. Uh, well, like, let's start with promoters, for example. Like, yeah. What are things like? I mean. You know, what, when you walk into mm. a party, you're like, these mm. are the things I kind of look for. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, right when you get in the car right away, like, okay, I know it's on. Like, uh, yeah, you know. I, that, that's difficult, or, right? Like some promoters, maybe they look at the wrong things when they, for example, book DJs and artists to parties and stuff like that. It's, I mean, it's, it's an art form just by itself to, to come, to make a menu you know, you got to be quite knowledgeable. I think any promoter group, I mean, usually a promoter is a group of people, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's very important that at least one of these people, that they dabble with the music themselves. They have knowledge. They, yeah. they, and, and especially that there's somebody that knows the technical side of it too. So, you know, the, there is a bridge in between the artist and the promoters. Uh, so, you know, everything is going to be set up nicely. And also like to, to get the right menu of DJs and just to create a club or something that you want to do several years in a row, you have to sort of have a, okay, you have to search for a line. You know, you, mm-hmm. you if you're a promoter that and you have no idea like what you want to do really and you don't have a really any overview over the music or record labels or what kind of artists are really, you know, up and running now and who is who is coming, you know, because you can't just... I mean, it's really boring just to t- today do do the top DJs. You just pick all the top DJs. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like you gotta you gotta promote your locals too. Yeah. And then there's like wh- who are the up and coming? Who's who? What what else is there? You want to present some of those too. Mm-hmm. And if I want to go to a club, I I I wouldn't pick a club where you have like okay these guys I've seen. 20 times in my life already or just five times no. i'd rather check this guy out here and i've only heard of him 
I mean, it's uh, you have a, you gotta have a combination of that. I think it's it's always going to be a, a nice yeah. thing to do as a promoter. So you get you promote the local scene, you get some you know some some fresh blood, some fresh water from a different country, you know, Definitely. like a main act or something, and then you have uh, somebody else to it, like an upcoming from I don't know from another place or even from the same city, and then like I said, the, the locals that that would be like a really important thing I think to that I always talk to with promoters that they shouldn't just go for the easy picks or or look like who who's got the most followers somewhere yeah. on some social media or something because in in some cases i think that's silly that's just <laughs> it's not going to push sure. anything in 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 a good way it's just going to get boring and that's what i hear about you know like some people they say like oh yeah yeah I, I stopped going to that festival because they always have exactly the same lineup every year mm-hmm. i was like oh Okay. I've heard that a lot. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the the feeling about almost every festival at the moment. You know, there's articles <laughs> okay. that are just like because it is the same 20 people on every uh festival lineup. Yeah. And uh man, that'd be awesome to be one of those guys though. <laughs> yeah. But uh no. Uh anyway, the thing is is it's like it's a there's that argument's kind of faulty though because there are a lot of these people that are bitching about seeing these same five ten names on the lineup. If you offered up like four or five dope ass acts that have been around for like let's say four or five years that mm. are relatively affordable, yeah, they're not going to sell the tickets to go out. You need to have a couple of these A list guys to bring yep. people out. Yeah, but I mean at that point, I think festivals. Everybody wants to do the biggest festival so they get. Mm. in the magazines or on the on the websites and stuff but it's like okay so do one stage do two stages like uh, one that's got two or three badass guys uh and then or girls whatever and <laughs> then like you know um mix in the locals either on their own little stage yeah. or in between them or yeah. you know what i mean and then you uh you know I, what i'm I, getting I, at i i would say even mix them together on the same floor mm-hmm you know, but you, there's there's gonna be uh, lots of DJs that, of course, gonna say no because they no, I I, I don't want to be on the same stage yeah. as as somebody that nobody knows of, or you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's politics and it's always tricky. But well, as some a promoter, people are assholes. To, yeah, yeah, as a promoter, you have to really be able to talk to people. I I can imagine. Well, <laughs> yeah, and then, that comes with the job though. But the the as a promoter, it's also your job to know what you're booking too. Yeah, like I did a booking recently, and. Uh, I mean, it was all there, man. Great, um, great uh, crew that was setting up. Mm. The the technicals were nice, decent sized crowd, all that stuff. Mm. But it was very evident that they were booking me for mm. uh, something entirely different. You know yeah, what I mean? They thought right, I was going right, to yeah. be doing like maybe something I would have done more on drum code, like back in two thousand eight or nine or okay, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you okay. know what I mean? Just yeah. kind of like not current with what I'm doing now. Yeah. Or and just or just focusing on like a very tiny aspect yeah. of your music. They haven't really heard or like, like the variety, uh, you know, Stranger like to Stability or yeah. you know one of these big records. And uh, which I mean, listen, not everybody can be up on stuff, but I think if you're yeah. a promoter and you're going to spend the money, you probably should put in the you know. Just go. I mean, SoundCloud today it's, it's so easy. You just uh, go to the dude's SoundCloud and listen to the latest mix, yeah. least, or you know, some mix cloud or something. It's gonna be. I mean, event. He's there's gonna be something out there for sure totally. that is up to date. <laughs> so you know, uh, I I did my best to, to um, try and 
saved the party or rescued the dance floor. Mm. And it was really kind of 50-50 with the crowd because I just didn't, I knew exactly kind of what they needed, but I didn't have that stuff with me. Mm. And, and you kind of have to manufacture that with the stuff you yeah. have. It's like, okay, I can play like maybe that 30 seconds of that record and yeah. put that on top of that. And, and, and if the people <laughs> that did come out to see me you know, heard me play those tracks like, well, why the hell is he doing that? Why is he yeah, just yeah, trying to please yeah. the audience? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess... It's a bit of a sticky situation this week's, there. <laughs> this week's Dustin Zahn lesson for promoters is yeah. know who you're booking or know what they're up to now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. someone who's booking Carrie Lakebush for next week might think that, you know, you're still putting out stuff from 2005. It's, and it's, it's like, hey, It's man. definitely better to listen to a 2016 mixtape rather than a 2001 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not going to make any sense, you know. It's, yeah. Things change a lot. Tempos, everything. I just remembered, because we were talking about you and older records. Mm. We got to give it up. Uh, we got to, George, G-Tech, Rontieris. All right, what's up, George? Up. What's going on, G -Tech. man? G-Tech. <laughs> he did the, he's done a lot of vocals for you. Yeah, definitely. And, we, uh, we put out this, this just for fun, the, this not too long ago, like a year ago. or was the hip -hop it two now that We just put out this, this hip-hop album. Yeah. So I don't know to call it hip-hop even. It's just beats, uh -huh. electronic, a lot of 808 sounds. And he just, he's sort of talking talk rapping his poetry mm -hmm. on top of that just crazy stuff and always making cool big shit fun. yeah because the, the first i ever heard of him and this was i mean in my opinion it was a big record for you i don't know what it was oh, but yeah. the, the steady motion yeah record. steady motion me adam and, and and george we just yeah we did some tracks together for me that's kind of like back uh, and forth. a milestone of, of swedish tech oh, yeah, yeah 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 uh, it, it was, was one cool. of those big ones for for this feel this rotation. Yeah, yeah. And and then, <laughs> you know, years later, I got to uh, I got to do some stuff with George. I did a remix for Tim Xavier and mm. George's vocals. Oh yeah, that, so. yeah, yeah. Right, right. That one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why that just popped in my head, mm. but I'm sure he'll tune in. So what's up, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's up, G? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of running out of my notes here, but that's all right. It's mm. nearly dinner time. But yeah, I mean, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't even ask, like, what about uh, kids that are producing? I mean, there's... Mm. Yeah, yeah, How do exactly. they get noticed, yeah. you know? Like, what is... That, all that shit. That's a really tricky question, isn't it? Like, that's... that's there, I think there is no really answer to that question. Whereas, like, okay, you just have to do this and this steps, and then it's going to be fine. No, it's mm -hmm. definitely not going to no. work out, maybe. But I think one thing leads to another. And, and if you really, if you really is something you want to do, you know, you got to just invest a whole lot of love and time into producing and learning, you know, how to, to, to bring your sound out there. I think a milestone for any producer is when you cr can create a sort of a sound that people can uh, even, they don't know it's your track. But when you have, you're getting a sound that people sort of recognize a bit and mm -hmm. you, they go like, wow, this sounds like, you know, this and that. Yeah. Then you know you're good on your way yeah. of, of, you know, achieving some It takes a of, long time to get there though. Yeah, that, that can you know. do years, you know. Oh, and yeah. I, think, I think as a producer, you, you have to do, don't release anything the first years. Just, yeah. just make tons of music and don't release anything. Just save that, save that and learn and, and just, I mean, you can, if you're, if you're doing some gigs here and there, you could try your own music out, but just don't release it right away. Don't yeah. put out your first track that you've ever done because 10 years down the line, you will regret that 
Mm-hmm. I promise you that that is a fact. <laughs> so a you fact. hate your older records, huh? <laughs> I mean, I I put out stuff that I would never put out, but it's just you know, I mean, in the early days, there was like, okay, I can get like uh, two hundred dollars for this record. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I haven't I haven't had any food for basically two days. I've ate some pasta that I, and I stole salt and pepper at McDonald's and toilet paper uh, so I fucking gonna put out this record <laughs> you know yeah. it's just that's what you do <laughs> totally <laughs> I mean fortunately I haven't had to do um, the whole uh, I call them money grabs I haven't yeah. had to do that in quite a while but yeah, no, yeah, I'm happy I haven't, like, I haven't uh, had to do that in many 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 well I can many say years. when I when I stopped I mean, it's not like I did a lot of them, but I did some things, obviously, for the money. I'll, I don't mind doing the gigs for the money. I'll play in a shithole for the right money. But like, <laughs> when it comes to releasing music, uh, I really I don't care. Like, If you say, hey, Dustin, I need you to do a remix for me, and I'll pay you whatever, 10 grand, some bullshit yeah, money, yeah. I wouldn't probably do it because there's too much pressure for me mm, yeah yeah no totally that's likewise here uh, especially remixes yeah, yeah you know because i yeah. i feel like you know i would okay sorry about that beep uh, did that? but <laughs> did, um, did that get recorded i don't know if it's on the recording yeah. or not but somebody's <laughs> talking about dinner here All right, but um nice the thing is is like i wouldn't uh oh shit i lost my train of thought and uh, yeah what's uh the uh, the, the the remix production side of um, yeah yeah I mean I j- with that pressure I would rather take less money and then I feel like I have to I don't feel like I have to deliver a hit and then yeah, usually yeah. the result's going to be better yeah uh, yeah yeah totally totally like, I think that's doing trying to do you know creative stuff under that type mm-hmm. of pressure I don't know I mean it's good with some pressure or at least like a deadline or something like okay try to have this ready before you know end of next month or something okay it's kind of nice to have that sort of pressure. That's not really a pressure, but to have some, you know, you don't feel comfortable about doing something and you would want to do it completely different than they would probably expect you to do it. Maybe they already have sort of, they, they want something like this, something that you did over there. Dustin, you did this record. Like, can you do something? We want that too, you know, but you do this remix for us. That for me, that would create totally like, uh, no, I can't do it. Yeah. It's just it just uh, jinxes me up totally. <laughs> totally. And then I guess uh I was thinking like on my end of, of of another thing that I've come across recently uh somebody was asking me about this on the road. You know, in this instance uh you know, this guy was like, "Well, listen, I I'm, I'm trying I, I don't remember what big label he wanted to send it to." Mm. Maybe it was drum code, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But like and it, what it what it boils down to is this. Like say you're this guy, girl, whatever, and you got these tracks mm-hmm. and you wanna you wanna get the stuff out there. Yeah. You send it like for example, if you send it to Adam, yeah, yeah. Uh he's just gonna he's gonna take his time, he's gonna sit on it, he's gonna play it out. He's you know, rarely is he a guy that is gonna just be like instantly like this is it, I want this, we'll take it unless you know, it's just <clears throat> got hit material written all yeah, over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, you know what, maybe he wants to see if it's mixed out right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And that's not even a guarantee that he'll take it. He just wants to try it first. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, now you're you're a guy with no not many records out, and you're waiting on him or or somebody or myself or you exactly. to test this out. And it's like, okay, now it's been almost six months. Yeah, I don't have a record out. I don't know if there's going to be a record. Yeah. It's so like, do you do that, or do you go the other route where you release on your own label or all these other little labels? But the thing is, if you do that, then it might 
hurt your chances to release on a bigger label later or something. And it's kind yeah, of a yeah, catch twenty two. Yeah, definitely. And I re- I think it just comes on a case by case basis, but you definitely have to realize that whatever decision you go with, you're gonna have to kind of you know that's the bed you make it and you got to sleep in it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I'd say a, a lot of of the bigger labels, obviously, they're more they're more interested in working with a with a certain with like a group of artists and they mm-hmm. focus on them they're not just going to take in like new records every fucking month from artists all over the world like yeah. anybody just boom 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 popping up new names they want to you know f- they find a group of 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 artists that they feel comfortable with that th- they like to work with too they yeah. have a good agreement and they you know they they have a vibe together i mean you it's hard to work in this kind of business uh, with somebody that you don't get along with you know in in the long run that's not gonna be so good i think so so i think it's it's super difficult to for if you're totally like you've not been releasing any music whatsoever i i I wonder if not maybe the best idea today would be to sort of you 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 have your own little you know let's call it a label it's not really a label but you have your own little imprint and you make your own little releases yeah it's more like personal and this way you, you can get a chance to show show yourself out there and, and try to, to find, to send that stuff to some DJs that you would think they this is the stuff they would like to play as well. They, yeah. You know, you and, and you invest that amount of time in that, at least that you sort of, you get a little overview on what type of DJs would like to play your stuff. And you, you promote those DJs, you send them your MP3s. And just that, I think that's a really that's a good place to start anyway, because I mean, eventually some of these guys, they have their own labels. So maybe they eventually pick, pick some of your tracks out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, if not, maybe they know somebody and just keep at it, but just wait for years before you start, you know, yeah. really trying to bring something out there because uh, pr- producing can, if, if you just, putting out lots of tracks that just sound like copies from other tracks basically because that's what that's what we all did in the beginning of our yeah. careers we get inspired by something we copy it we learn how this is made and then finally we can start really putting ourselves in there so it's more more of a personal thing and you have your unique sound mm-hmm. and i think that's uh, what a lot of labels look for they look for yeah. unique artists that sort of have a unique sound and uh, and you build your own confidence when, with that way too. You know? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, it, you can't just rely on on yes men. Like the way I put it, and I don't know if it's an original no. quote or not, but I like to think it is. And it's like you know, a good friend will tell you when your music is good. Mm-hmm. A great friend will tell you when your music sucks. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, the people that I I would send my tracks to, I would never feel butthurt if they you know said this track sucks or yeah, yeah. you can do better yeah same because if 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 every time they're just want to say yeah it's cool to not hurt my feelings and keep getting free music yeah. <laughs> then it doesn't do me any good yeah and exactly because yeah. then i'm putting out records that actually they're like, well i never really liked that record to be honest i'm like what the fuck you know mm-hmm. but um yeah, yeah. Now, i think that's that's a and and even if it's like okay so you know these people say, oh, I don't like this track of yours, but you really like it, then, you know, you should always choose your own opinion over oh, yeah. the other ones. But it's definitely good to have, to listen to other people's opinions, especially some good, if you have some good friends that are going to be honest to you, and especially if those friends also know the routines of making music, well, there you go. You know, it's definitely worth uh, collecting that information too and just 
putting it into your brew. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much, you know, like every, well, it's not every episode, but a bunch of the episodes you try to mm. like tackle mm. a little bit because there's, there's just so much and there's no right way or wrong way to yeah, do no, it. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I'd say there's no really answer to how to get out, you know, start getting mm. yourself out there. I think you, you got to just, depending on where you are on the planet, you know, who you are to start with and what kind of, you know, what do you have to play with? You just have mm-hmm. to start there. And, but one thing leads to another. And if you're persistent enough, you just, it's the consistency that's important too. And mm-hmm. don't get, just because a label doesn't answer when you send them a demo, that doesn't mean that they don't like your stuff. No. They might just have no chance of releasing anything or even replying to yeah. your email because they're just they're just spammed down by just yeah. loads of stuff. And and there's there's a lot of labels out there. But I'd say also a good thing is to to sort of look locally. Like so if you're uh, if you're on the other side of the planet, maybe try to find labels there or you know and, and big time. Instead of reaching out to the other side of the world because it's it's sort of it's yeah, it's it's more difficult. And also if you want to sort of I mean as any artist uh, you want to get involved with the local promoters as well and sort of or at least in your country, you want to sort of, you know, get in touch with them. Yeah. If, if they get to know about your name too and they hear your music and your mixtapes and, and this and that, I, you know, that's one step in the yeah. right direction. And if you're, if you're persistent, that's it. you got to just mm-hmm. keep at it. You can't just stop just because you have a few, like, oh, I'm, I can't get any. I mean, for me, I would do tracks in my studio even if nobody would want to hear them or buy them or oh, I, would, yeah. I would never even get a gig. I got dozens on here that, yeah, I just know, whatever. Yeah, I just, just going to be jamming along in my studio and, and going to some other work and doing that. And in worst case, I fucking work at McDonald's. But as soon as I come home, I'm just going to be like, mm, going to make some nice tracks. And it's just going to be me listening to them, but whatever. But if yeah. you have that attitude, then you, that's... You know, you gotta you gotta be crazy. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's not. You're just gonna be like stopping yourself, basically. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're only doing it to get gigs or whatever, yeah, you will fail. Yeah. You know, unless you're paying someone to make your music for you. Or then, if, then if your only right. reason is to to be on the stage and stretch your arms out, looking like Jesus, <laughs> then you will fail. Yeah. <laughs> or just become a stripper because. Yeah. They will love you even more. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting pretty far in the show. But I mean, fuck, there's so much. I yeah, wish I, I mean, could cover, uh, we, we like, could continue for a few hours, you know, it's easily, so easy. But it won't be the last time, you know. No, I mean, definitely. Like, I, I know you've you've hit the road with like Adam and Joel before, and like mm. uh, I'm sure there's great stories from back in the day, Tons, just yeah, all yeah. the shenanigans and shit Crazy that we didn't even stuff. get it's to. Big fun, yeah, yeah. But it's been cool. Um, what about what's coming up? Is there what's what just happened? What's happening? What should people look out for? Records, right, yeah, podcasts, I mean, gigs. Yeah, this. I mean, there's always stuff coming out. I all the time. There's releases from me, and there's podcasts. There's always. I always try to have something consistent. You know, there's always something coming. And releases, there's something all the time. You know, there might be a month where there's no release, but like. Every second month there is a release, and at the moment I'm doing some uh, some vinyl project where I want to do the, the all the colors uh, all the color vinyl. So I start with red, then orange, then yellow, and I go through the full spectrum. And 
and uh, that is working out really well. I'm, it's of, of course smaller, limited runs and stuff, but no. it's just uh, I, I haven't been doing any vinyls uh, the the year before. I wasn't doing so much vinyl, but it's just sort of mm, there's interest for that, enough interest uh, for that again. Uh, so you can do sort of like a little collect- collector's series. Yeah, just little boutique stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, it's so weird. I mean, it's not, not a big thing or anything, but it's just, it's so much fun. I don't know why. It's yeah. just, I just love it. I just well, I think because it's a project. You can see it evolve. You yeah. can see, a, I don't know, an end in sight. You know? Yeah, there's yeah there's there's a beginning, there's an ending, and when you have that project done and you have that physical project in front of you it's, mm-hmm. you can touch them and they look good and colored vinyls and i guess i'm i i'm you know all these years as a dj or vinyl collector as well has made me a bit of a vinyl fetishist or there's just some weird thing there you know mm-hmm. i guess it's for for a lot of us you know it's just yeah. fine. vinyl is you know it's nostalgia too and and you know childhood memories all yeah. kinds of stuff well and it's 12 inches by 12 inches the yep. the circumference so yeah. it's not a huge thing, but it's bigger, especially yeah. if you have a sleeve. Yeah. And especially if, with if, a nice sleeve. If yeah. anybody out there has ever had, I don't know, maybe a photographer or a painter, you have something that you mm. took to the store and had blown up. Yeah. Everything looks cooler, bigger. You know yeah. what I mean? You could yeah. have a drawing where you draw it on a napkin, you take it to your local print shop and have it made into a huge poster sized thing for your wall. Yeah. yeah. It just looks fucking awesome, bigger, <laughs> yeah. and I really believe like that's why there's something cool about records. Uh, it's bigger than just a little CD yeah. or the little MP3 graphic on my iPhone Hell or something, yeah. or yeah, you yeah. know, and, and and just holding that vinyl. And I mean, I remember in, 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 when I was a kid, you know, I was so fascinated by those gatefold record sleeves you can fold them up and there was like stories and oh, pictures yeah. and all the text and i gotta do one before i die <laughs> yeah i want to do something like that too. And, yeah. and and at the at the end it's gonna say like all the instruments that have been played totally. the keyboards and it's like the oh, linear notes shout out to so-and-so yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah, is yeah. like all the hip-hop stuff yeah all that. <laughs> I, I wanted to do a uh gatefold for my drum code album mm. and uh adam and uh jeremy are like nope that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna that's be like expensive minus yeah <laughs> Fucking the most expensive thing you can do, probably, but easily. In in but. back in the vinyl days, where you know you could do six to ten thousand vinyls easy. I mean, yeah, I did a couple of those things. I spent just ridiculous amounts, of money sure. on sleeves and stuff like that. Crazy, just pressing up CDs. I, I like thousand free these CD, thousand free CDs and just giving them away yeah. and stuff like that. You can't do that no more nowadays. Well, <laughs> I, it's actually pretty cheap. You can get the cardboard sleeves. I was going to do that, but then I was like, well, who the hell is even, who has a CD player? Yeah, now it's Half too late. Half the laptops don't even have a drive. Yeah, get a USB Because like, what now. I really wanted to do is, you know, you're on the road every weekend, and a lot of times these drivers have, I don't know, maybe they just have shitty taste in music or they're trying to impress me, but they'll play like really bad music, whether it's... <laughs> It doesn't matter if it's techno, hip hop, rock, whatever. You're just like, man, it's a rarity for me when I get a driver with. I'm like, dude, this is dope. What yeah, is yeah, this? Yeah. You know. So I was like, I'm. I want to make. Someday I'll do it where I make a city that's only for drivers, and when I'm in cars, <laughs> like it's a gift to them. Yeah, like yeah. the promoters won't get it. The, the club people won't get it. Yeah. It's the it's the drivers that pick you up to and from the airport <laughs> and wait for your ass at 4 a.m. so they can take you to the hotel. Like exactly. here's a little gift. <laughs> exactly. Give them some respect here now. That's yes. right. <laughs> you got to stay sober so we can all get wasted. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot of sacrifices going on there, and nobody notices that. That's true. <laughs> no, actually, I, I I do that a lot. You know, I mean, that, like that CD with uh, uh, G Tech uh, George mm-hmm. and me. 
I mean, it's perfect gift to give the the drivers. Yeah. And I I've I've been giving it to, I mean, for the last few years to every driver I've had has one of those. CDs yeah. Now. I mean, you know, like they usually if. Uh, you're in the car and you're going to be gone in 15 minutes once you get to the airport you'll never hear from him again but yeah like, wow i remember that guy mm. i i drove you three years ago you gave me a cd or you know exactly, I mean, puked yeah. in my car they always remember something you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. if you if you don't if you can't puke give him a cd yeah exactly <laughs> leave the present yeah. preferably not the puke <laughs> anyway um let's see this will probably go up right around new year's you got uh, cool, some cool. gigs out you can remember off the top of your head well, I mean, it's the, I'm doing the little break now in January, and the last thing I'm doing is this weekend in Berlin. I was in Cologne too, and then I'm gonna do uh, one more gig at uh, in next week or something, or the week after that. But and then New Year's Eve, I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna stay in, in Stockholm, and and I'm gonna visit mom. You know, it's my birthday around seventh January, and I'm gonna spend some time with my mom and just chill. And there's so, uh, no parties. Mode, huh? Yeah, end of January, I, I start up again, and there's going to be some cool stuff like uh, the winter festival, the s- snowball festival. And in, 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 uh, is that in Utrecht now, or where is this going to be? It's going to be in Holland, and it's in the Netherlands. So. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. They have like a festival in uh, in the snow, basically, it's mm-hmm. in outdoor, um, and but very cleverly made with heating systems, and you know, you can have snowball wars. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So time to get outdoors for the most part <laughs> yeah um as for me let's see so this would be out uh i guess that would be the seventh a match resort mm. yeah yeah down in the basement again that's always fun down there oh yeah, yeah i was there not too long ago i had a good one yeah it's, it's a good time it's, yeah, it's always good yeah I, I wanted to link up with you then and it didn't work out but i'm glad that we're both here now yeah, yeah. this uh, is this was perfect i stay extra day and yeah yeah awesome and you're gonna have a great time tonight closing out definitely so. i'm looking forward to that um and then i don't remember what else i know i'm back in the states in january i'll be at uh flash in washington dc mm. be back at output again uh for the grayscale night there um and there's some other bits, but you have to check the internet and there'll be other podcasts where you can find out more about it. And there's a podcast coming in January. So dig it. You got I anything else you want to say? Dig yet? it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can dig it too, Dustin. Please dig it. Yeah, let's do this again. You know, I mean, uh, I'll, come, not, I'll come to your place. We'll do it. Yeah, definitely. We need to do some jam session too. We've been you know, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's been one of those years where it didn't yeah. work out, but it's all good. You know, I'm I'm always around and, you know, you're always going to be a good friend of mine. Yeah. And, you know, you're, it's it's a family, you know. We're, totally. It's a musical family. We're from the same planet. Yeah, for <laughs> now, you know. I was I was watching a show today, in the, uh, this sci-fi show, and they're talking about how, you know, there's people on Mars and the asteroid belts and shit. And I'm like, at some point, it'll be like that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, crazy shit. But anyway. Imagine having some fucking crazy gig on mars like all right it's gonna take three months to get there yeah (laughs) and uh well you're gonna have to do an all-in fee and that includes well (laughs) space space travel is a little expensive right now so you're gonna be left with like 300 bucks afterwards (laughs) like fuck it i've never been to mars let's go yeah yeah. that's how it's gonna start definitely all right man have a good one hey guys everybody listening thanks for tuning in and see you out there yeah take care peace peace